People should not be walking around with masks. Let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And masks are protective. And we but it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying inside there? Of course. You do not need to wear a mask indoors if, in fact, you've been vaccinated. Good that you're vaccinated, but in a situation where you have people indoors, particularly crowded, you should wear a mask. So even if you are vaccinated, you should wear a mask. If, in fact, you are vaccinated, fully vaccinated, you are protected, and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors. When the children go out into the community... You want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask. The, 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 the pediatric, the Academy of Pediatric, actually makes that recommendation that children should be wearing masks uh, from two years old onward. And you're asking now if your child is a member of your household, can you walk outdoors with your child without a mask? According to that chart, the answer is yes. But the child can't, not to beat it, yeah. beat it to death. Yeah. Yes, yes. Okay. Because now okay. the CDC says, I mean, I think I've got this right. One mask is better than zero masks. Two masks is better than one mask. But you don't have to have double masks. Is, is I, that right? I mean, <laughs> you know, it became clear that cloth coverings that you didn't have to buy in a store that you could make yourself were adequate. And then you want it to fit better. So one of the ways you could do it, if you would like to, is put a cloth mask over, which actually here and here and here, where you could get leakage in, is much better contained. Are you a double masker, Dr. Fauci? There comes a time when you do have to give up what you consider your individual right of making your own decision for the greater good of society. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, May 29th, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. An important topic to be discussed around masks, vindication today, which we, to be honest, don't even really need. We have discussed this topic around masks since the moment this all began. And have continued to die on this hill, regardless of the fact that the evidence is backed up, we've been saying the entire time, while still being open to other perspectives and other conversations, while still taking the painstaking, painstakingly frustrating effort of picking through the obvious manipulations and propaganda and the scientific studies that are observational and all the stuff that keeps being dumped out on top of this long, obvious trail of information of, of the continuity of scientific evidence around masks. And having to go through all of that and frustratingly point out why it's not solid and why. And here we are still to this day. Still, the evidence is this, is to the point to where we've watched them have to eat crow and really embarrassingly walk back or rather not even walk things back. Just suddenly go, oh, we've always known cloth masks don't work, despite the fact that they've been shoving that down your throat and s- still are. But we're going to go over some important mass studies today, too. In fact, one of them being really important. 
that just peer reviewed and it is observational, but it's peer reviewed that shows you exactly what we continue to find that these things. And shockingly enough, it seems to coordinate with another peer reviewed study that's found this exact same thing, that there is an increased risk of infection that is making the situation worse. It's been there from the beginning. You know, I've been telling you that every time this comes up. Now we have another peer reviewed study that is telling you look, from and this is based in Kansas. And it's basically saying that any place that had a mask mandate is having an increased problem and it's an increased risk of mortality or fatality rate in regard to COVID-19. And, and it's it's pretty damn obvious. But we'll go through today and show you that we have been telling you the incorrect information or rather being objective about it from the very beginning and allowing you to make your own decisions based on the evidence. And even though we're still seeing this or <laughs> we're still saying that even though we're seeing this come up yet again, I can promise you that it won't go away. How do you explain that? How do you explain? Not that it shouldn't because of one study, but because of the, again, the continuity of evidence, the, the scientific research that has continued to find what we've been saying, not statistically significant in reducing transmission. And that's one of the most important. There's two or three really important findings on top of just the finding that it makes you put you in more danger, but that it doesn't matter what mask you wear. That N95, cloth mask, medical mask, that guess what? It's almost, they would, they have, they hypothesize because it wasn't focused on this, that the even the N95 mask would even increase that risk because of why they think this is happening. Now we'll go into this today and break down all the scientific research and tell you my opinion and what they're saying and allow you to dive into it for yourself. But it's just amazing how we can keep going through this stuff and it continues to be the same. And yet it continues to happen the way that they want it to which needs to show you something really visceral about where we are in the world today. <clears throat> now, we're also going to talk about a couple of quick points in foreign policy to start that I think are really important. I'm going to try to go through the first part of the show. I'm hoping this won't be that, you know, maybe an hour, but I don't want to say, you know, who knows where it'll end up, maybe four hours after I go too long in the beginning, like I am right now. But I'm going to try to make this shorter and try to go through the first half of it reasonably quick to focus on the COVID part of this for the most part of the show. But I am going to touch on COVID um, Ukraine. I have a couple important points I want to talk about, and then also a couple of points, which I'm sure you mostly have already seen, but just in case you hadn't, an update on Buffalo, Texas, the shooter situations, and how there's some pretty obvious and wholly expected information coming out. I mean, I probably don't even have to tell you what those things would be, and you'll probably be able to list them off in the chat. <laughs> you know, FBI spoke to them before this happened, or <clears throat> I mean, on and on and on. We'll get to it, and I'll give you the information on what you need to know about where that is, and not saying it is this or isn't that, just simply information for you to continue to digest the story that they don't want you to do. You're supposed to have already gotten your narrative written down and walked away from the story by now. Don't you know what the media told you to think about that story? How dare you challenge the CIA talking points? But we'll also talk about some really important stuff around COVID-19 as well in regard to the other part of the title. People that are being caught, caught paying for falsified vaccine information. Now, I use the word elite in the title today on purpose. You know that I'm always railing against that. We need, because elite is not the right word. Elite implies that we see them as that too, which is a better than yourself. They're elitists. They believe they're better than we are. They're not, in fact. That's why they're elitists. Not elites, but elitists. But I use the word today on, on purpose because I wanted that title to connect with people because elitists doing that, this is a different kind of a ring, but I wanted to connect with a certain crowd out there that needs to see this largely from a partisan angle, I would argue, but we need to recognize that this is a gigantic story. 
that, and this is specifically the main one that they're focusing on is the president of Pharma Mar. So this is a pharmaceutical president who's paid to make sure he doesn't get the injection, but looks like he did and made sure he got a saline injection. Now, why would they do that? What do they know? At the very least, they're concerned about something. Why would they not want the safe and effective treatment that they're telling people is safe and effective? They're on Twitter going, look, I got my safe and effective treatment, but yet faking it. Now, why? But we'll go through and show you that it's not just this one guy. It's a huge list of very high-level people, sports players, actors, rappers. I mean, it's pretty interesting. So we need to ask why that's happening. Now, of course, they're going to be all dismissed as conspiracy theorists that are willing to lie and cheat because of their false beliefs. But we need to ask whether there's more to that story. And, of course, we'll go through other information showing you that they're right to be scared of this because of the things that are happening. But I could go on forever. Let's jump into it. I want to start today with a... Uh, basically, it's a couple paragraph uh, writing, something I've written down around Memorial Day that I've read more than once. Probably won't read this too many times going in the future just because I don't want it to become redundant. But as we've grown a lot as the last American vagabond, there's an important kind of message that I've wanted that I've used different parts of for Veterans Day Memorial Day. So I wanted to read through this again today. And this is something I wrote quite a long time ago. But I want us to think about this because tomorrow is Memorial Day. This is sort of the Memorial Day weekend conversation. It's just important that we remember what it is that we're actually celebrating here, what this is really about and how it is being used against us. So what I'm about to basically say that I've, again, that that I've had written down and thought about many times in the past will no doubt be disliked by a lot of people out there simply because I'm speaking the truth and possibly censored by others for the very same reason. However, in my eyes, there's really no better day to honor the sacrifice of so many people by taking the quintessentially American action by speaking truth to power and exposing the lies that they were sold by the state because they were sold lies. And this is the important part about this. Far too many have been conditioned from birth to blindly serve and to see anything else as an affront to what this country represents. Yet this nation has not represented what it claims to for quite some time, and plenty of others are in that same boat, which is why I do what I do today, as you know, to awaken those lost in the lies to the reality that their loyalties have been hijacked by those who care nothing for the love we have of this country's core values, whether they were ever truly practiced by its founders or not. They've become real for us, and that's a point that I make quite often. This slowly materializing mountain of lies is also why there is such forceful efforts to make holidays like tomorrow, today, this weekend, about glorifying the state and its war efforts, as opposed to those they tricked into carrying them out, despite that being the claim, and to make those of us saying anything less out to be deceivers, manipulators, truly accusing that of that which they are guilty, classic propaganda, in its truest sense of the word, The saddest part is that so many have bought into this, and so much so that they don't even know their own history, and turn around and call those of us still embracing the true values of this country as the enemy, treasonous even. An interesting point in this as it pertains to today is even different values that are becoming forked and different, you know, the Republicans versus the Democrats, which has always really been there. But ultimately, turning people that may even have a different belief or understanding of what they still think is patriotism and calling them the enemy, even though they equally love this country in different ways. The problem is we're being turned against each other, so we don't see the real culprit. And this is such an obvious point around the two-party paradigm. As President Theodore Roosevelt 
summed it up best in the past, and I've referenced this many times, quote, to announce that there must be no criticism of the president. And you could put any politician in that position, but to announce that there must be no criticism of the president or that we must stand by the president, right or wrong, is not only unpatriotic and servile, but it's morally treasonable to the American people. Now, that's exactly where we find ourselves, whether it's Biden or Trump, left or right. You're not, you, how dare you? By pointing out that he's wrong is giving Russia stuff. No, you are being unpatriotic and servile and morally treasonable to the American people by not being honest about what's happening. So today and tomorrow, this weekend, I ask, I, all, all I ask of those of you out there currently recoiling in disgust for my willingness to speak ill of this country on such a day is first understand that I'm not speaking ill of this country. That, in fact, is the deception. I love this country. I'm speaking ill of those who have deceived the masses and use their love of the nation to carry out wars of aggression in their name, in your name, in my name. Second, to take a step back and simply look at what such blind subservience to those in power who arrogantly lie to maintain it has done, both in this country and to those around the world who dared to think for themselves, to think differently, especially on a day like today. We owe it to ourselves and to those who gave their lives for a cause that they likely realized in the process of pursuing was not what they were told it was, to speak the truth and not blindly acquiesce to the jingoistic pressure of the brainwashed, brainwashed masses. And I don't believe that's the majority, and I hope we understand that, but there are a lot of them. It's not hard to do just the smallest amount of due diligence, the research, to see just how many veterans out there today will tell you quite a different story about what we should be proud of and what we are actually doing overseas. It's also not difficult to see just how hard the establishment works to keep their message suppressed and keep them drugged up and in the shadows, as we tend to see with the veterans of today, as Ray McGovern said in a past article for Consortium News. Memorial Day should be a time of somber reflection on war's horrible costs, not a moment to glorify war. But many politicians and pundits just can't resist the opportunity. As James Madison, our fourth president and author of the Constitution, wrote, quote, of all the enemies to public liberty, war is perhaps the most to be dreaded because it comprises and develops the germ of every other. War is the parent of armies. From these proceed debts and taxes, and armies and debts and taxes are the known instruments for bringing the many under the domination of the few. In war, too, the discretionary power of the executive is extended. Its influence in dealing out offices, honors, and, and emoluments is multiplied. And all the means of seducing the minds are added to those of subduing the force of the people. No nation could preserve its freedom in the midst of continual warfare. And of course, that includes against itself. Now, my God, if we can't, can't heed that warning and recognize where we are, exactly where he warned we would be, then we deserve what we get. Because we can't stand back and recognize that we are literally buried by everything the people who created this situation, this country, this foundation, were warning us to be, to be on guard for. We're watching it happen. It is building up around our necks. We are inside the panopticon. It's time for us to stand up and acknowledge that. Because as I just said the other day, and it's a classic saying, the first step in solving any problem is simply acknowledging that we have one. And that is not about left or right, guys. That is about recognizing who is stepping on your neck, whatever the color of the flag they're waving in front of you is. Now, on that note, I'd like to start. Oh, looks, of course, 
this looks like the screen's been out of focus this whole time. That's always a good way to start out. <laughs> now, I'd like to start with that note. Something that I thought was really interesting. Now, this is just a quick side note from that discussion, Memorial Day discussion. Ten years ago, this is posted uh, yesterday, MSNBC was, or rather specifically, Chris Hayes was uncomfortable calling fallen soldiers heroes. Now, to be clear, timing-wise, this wasn't like this was just the, the you know, zeitgeist at the time. It was, it was really more about these, this, he's him saying this and then getting pretty much attacked by everybody back in 2012. And he did. And he came right back and said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. But what's interesting to me, guys, is that this is, it just shows you a difference of where we are and how, I mean, the, can you imagine anybody saying that in the corporate media today? Or even the fact that he would say that then, I almost wonder whether that was just to push people further in that direction. If you're like, oh, he, he said the thing you're not supposed to say. But his point was simply at the time that calling them heroes was sort of glorifying war, isn't it? Because aren't they, they all aren't they not every one of them are heroes, are they? Oh no, did I just say that out loud? Right? What about the guy who went over there and raped people when they weren't supposed to, or stole from children? Or I mean, guys, these things happen every single time in war. Just look at the Iraq War. Look at what's going on in Ukraine. The people they're funding right now. My point is simply that just because you're a part of this does not make you a hero. The, and the bottom line is that that's his, the, a point that should have been at least dissected and discussed was pushed back against so aggressively that he had to come back on and say, I'm sorry, they're all heroes. I'm wrong. Very interesting. Just shows you how much things have changed, even from then to now. You are not allowed to challenge the narrative, guys. Now, I want to start with a fact check point here before we jump into some foreign policy. And I'm going to try to remember to get through this reasonably quick. Of course, I, I'm not, I shouldn't, I'm not trying to use this at a point to, uh, to basically point out one site that I don't think is a good source, but I'm going to do that because I have to reference it on this website, but tap newswire, not someplace that I recommend you take at face value ever. And here's an example of that. What this is, this a, a article and a, a video that I've seen circulate that I've, you know, Everywhere. I'm seeing all sorts of people post this. I, I'm hearing that, and I can't, I didn't actually confirm this, but people pointing it out. InfoWars is pointing at this video and talking about it doesn't surprise me at all. Pfizer CEO says it's their dream to reduce the population by 50% in 2023. Well, of course, that's going to go everywhere. Well, because that's what Bill Gates said, right? And he did say that. And, that's their, and they, they will bend over backwards to try to change that context. But here's the point on this this is not what he said. And it's not very difficult to find the source material to find out this was selectively and aggressively dishonestly edited in order to make it look like he said that. Now, this is not shilling for anybody by pointing out that he didn't say this. Now, here's the point. Do, we, do I believe that there's efforts to make, that there's eugenic depopulation efforts underway in regard to this in some level? Of course, I've talked about this a hundred times. Not that that's the entire thing or that that's the focal point, but yes, I do. I've talked about the remdesivir discussions or the things being used in the UK or the discussions of the do not resuscitate orders or all this is obvious eugenics or giving frail elderly people shots that they literally say aren't, they don't know if they're safe for in the Pfizer documentation or immunocompromised or pregnant women on and on and on. So by pointing out that that's not what he actually said, the obvious jump should not be the, 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 the not, why should I say that? It's ridiculous to immediately jump to the other side of that and say, well, oh, you're trying to pretend that's not what they're doing. That's what, this is how they get people trapped in these illusions. Now, the, let me just, the point is, first of all, whoever they posted this on their website, that means one, they either did it themselves and faked this or don't care to do, do, it, do their due diligence to make sure it's appropriate or correct for you. Appropriate is the wrong word, correct and accurate for you. Either way you look at that, this is, sites like this should not be 
somebody that you I mean I, I don't even know why people look at stuff like this when they when they constantly get shown to put up false information whether they mean to or not here's the video that they're pointing at for probably over 40,000 views right now of course I jumped in here and gave the timed air the, the video so you could check it out for yourselves but what's interesting and there's people down here saying the same thing you know it was on infowars that's where I saw it but what I want to point something out the person who posted this or at very least this person here this propel 7 guy is in here, and you'll know, just go scroll down. Anybody in here that's even going, is that even true? Did he actually say that? They come in so hard over the top, like, what are you shilling for the other side? How dare you, stupid idiot? And that's what happened. Now, whether he believes he's doing the right thing or not, they're aggressively shouting down anybody who even has a question. Like, is, is where's the source video? Is there a link I can check? You're shilling. This is a problem today. And I don't believe it's actually really accurate. I don't believe, I don't think, I think there's more of an agenda happening here than people that are just blindly believing what they want to believe. But there is a level of lying for your own truth, right? Anyway, so the point is, here's the actual video. It took me all of 30 seconds to find this video and very quickly search up one of the words I found in it using the transcript. And what do you know? Here's what it actually said. So just for the, just for the record, oh, here, I might as well play the fake video for you because this is somebody faked this video and altered this. Here's what it says in the fake video. I think that uh, is really fulfillment of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world by 50%. I think today... That's the main point. So it sounds like he says the number of people in the world by 50%. Now it says, now I don't, this to the lifeboats looks like it's where it came from. Surprised they'd want to put their own tag on there knowing that they're lying to people, but whatever. So take note of the people that seem to be lying to you or choosing to not do their due diligence because they like what this shows. So here's what it actually says. The offer of the portfolio that we're offering to these countries. I think that uh, it's really fulfilling of a dream that we had together with my leadership team when we started in 19. Uh, the first week we met in January of 19 in California and to set up the goals for the next five years. And one of them was by 2023, we will reduce the number of people in the world that cannot afford our medicines by 50%. Ah, okay. So it completely changes the point. So it'll change by 2023 that, you know, that the, 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 the amount of people that can afford the shot. Now, let's be very clear. I do not in any way think that these people are doing what they, I mean, I shouldn't talk to speak to intentions, but what I believe they're doing personally is, is malicious. There's active cover-ups going on from Pfizer. I mean, we've spoken twice with Brooke Jackson about the trials they're using, the information they're hiding, the data that they're dragging their feet on. These people are well aware of what they're doing at some level, if not entirely. So if to, to take this as me trying to cover something up or hide, that's ridiculous. The point is there are people out there trying to falsify information to make people like us look like we're crazy. And I think that's part of the real agenda here. Bottom line is, guys, and that's why you're here. That's why I respect you in this chat so much, because you believe in doing your due diligence and making sure that we're correct and not just assuming because it looks the way we want it to look or because, well, it's probably true, even though it's fake. So we're going to shout anybody down anyway. Don't you believe they're doing that? That's You'll free the chats. It's crazy. Like arguing it, well, wouldn't by reducing the population by 50% amount to 50% less people being able to afford it? And it's like, so what are you saying? So it's okay to lie about this because you believe that's what he's doing? That's what people are actually doing to some degree. But be better. 
always, all of us, myself included, every single day we can try to be just a little bit better. That's what this comes down to. And it's really important to recognize that there are people, not just people in the government. I do believe that's where this largely comes from, but people just out there in the independent media, if you want to call it that, misinforming people. And then this gets framed as what we are doing. That's what they want. They all want it to be a big lump thing to say, look at all them over there sharing false information. They will never look at what we're doing and argue that we're being objective because they don't. These people, they want to be out there. They want the people they can point at to say, look at how, look, look at the fake independent media. They want people like me gone because we show that they're being ridiculous. Now, some really important information work articles just came out from the last American Vagabond one, which I'm actually going to try to set up an interview with Derek to go over some of the stuff he was researching around this because it's it's just really incredible. The World Economic Forum just had their meeting 2022. That's where that clip was from in Davos. And it's just unreal how obvious this all is. All the things that they once said were absolute ridiculous conspiracy theory. They're openly discussing in real time. And then we point at that and say, well, isn't it weird that you have heads of state, high-level members of the media, all behind closed doors, quietly discussing policy. That used to be a crime, by the way. I'm pretty sure it still is in a lot of ways if you look at it the, the way that it really is being done. And then we get called crazy for saying, isn't that crazy? Isn't that alarming? No, you're dumb. They're just talking about things that have no influence that's going to happen. And then their outline literally translates into the next step. It's frustrating because the people that know that you're right, or rather that are shouting you down as crazy, in most cases are aware that you're not that wrong. They just don't like that you're pointing out. They'd rather that people feel like they're on the inside of something. And then there's the people that just are well aware of the sinister agenda, and they still want to shout you down. The point is, what you need to know about the World Economic Forum's 2022 meeting, now there's plenty more than just this, as he points out, Derek's going to be following up with more because there's hundreds of different discussions to be had, but they discuss Ukraine, YouTube censorship, the metaverse, Pfizer and vaccines, the next coming pandemic, climate change, commitment to carbon removal, of course, ESG, right? The environmental, social and governance criteria for social credit scores and the whole social, uh, the social impact investing, basically betting on you and seeing if they can influence you to do what they want. I mean, this stuff is horrifically alarming. Central bank digital currencies. I mean, everything in this, if you would have outlined this exact conversation or rather this bullet point, these bullet points. Before they got here, they would have called you a conspiracy theorist. And then you can literally look at what they're going over and influencing what will happen. Zelensky giving speeches here, guys. I mean, it's just, I'm gonna, I want to talk more with Derek about this. Is we're, I'm going to have a deep dive around all this, but please read the article. More coming your way. Also had really, uh, Taylor had an outstanding interview, really powerful, with Professor Christian Perone, formerly of the WHO, of what's really going on today. He goes deep into monkeypox which I'm of the mind right now, and it doesn't mean it won't turn tomorrow and become the thing they point at. It was more of a testing the water situation to see if we take the bite or rather just stand back and objectively observe how they're going forward with this. We'll have to wait and see how this goes forward, but I'm going to show you a couple points on this, or maybe I push that off till tomorrow. But the point being that this is something that could be that. Just remember that this is that, that the point is this is subjective. PCR illusions, everything the way they're operating based on cases and hypothetical and shifting definitions, they could pretty much do this with most anything. But also deeply discusses the true nature of public health organizations and what they've become. It's a really important discussion. I really hope you will check it out. Then finally, as we just do a couple of points on foreign policy here, Robert follows up with his previous article and find and we just remember we discussed Israel and the assassination there. Well, according to the New York Times, through US US individuals, Israel admits assassinating the member of the Revolutionary Guard. But guess what? Nothing happened to them. Isn't that 
strange, unusual, not at all. In fact, it's exactly what I would expect from an insider group or government openly violating international law, committing war crimes, and then just blatantly admitting it, and then having literally nothing happen. Except we can watch as allegations get leveled at Russia and actions get rolled over the top of that without any due diligence or evidence. Isn't that interesting, the difference? It shouldn't be interesting at all. It should make you very upset that you're watching the powerful people pretending to do what's right, abusing things in blatant fashion, like right in front of you. Double standards, hypocrisy, rampant lawlessness. That's what they do. That is the, those are the words of the day. But important to understand, the, what's going on in Israel seems to be getting really intensified. And I'll show you an article next. But as he talks about this is risking regional expansion. Because even the U.S. is pulling away from supporting this, and you've got all of these entities now kind of rising around what's going to happen here. Yemen, Iran, it, it's very interesting. But the point, the real point, you can read this for yourself, is that all of this is building. I'll read you the final article. He says, Israel's adamant that its far-right settler extremist flag march, which is happening today and through the weekend, persists with its provocative rote this, this Sunday, even against the wishes of the U.S. government, warning them to change the road of the march, going through Al-Aqsa uh, Mosque. Which, by the way, every time this happens, this when you see these reports of shooting live ammunition at people praying and nothing ever happens about it, it's not happening because they're mar the, the mosque is marching over to Israel, because that's not possible, right? They're marching toward the mosque and carrying out acts. And yet every time they go, oh, the clashes as they openly and actively and plan out their marches into this holy site. If you can't see how grievously this is, they are breaking rules and laws and norms and everything, and they just don't care. And if you can't see why that shows you the governments involved with this don't care about any of it, they use these things as a mean to an end, then you're not paying attention. Like starving Yemen to death or literally committing human rights violations in every one of these countries and then quibbling about how China's doing something over here, not to suggest China's not doing it. You see, that's how that gets taken out of context. The point is that how what gives the U.S. government the right to point at things they're doing while they're breaking everything you could possibly point at right in front of you right now? China's just as bad. The reality, though, is they're pointing at China for, with allegations while you ignore everything they're doing all around the world right now. This is one example of that. Given Israel's insistence on provoking a Palestinian response, at the very least, it is only reasonable that we conclude that it, the regime is seeking out war probably to pull the U.S. in if they, if that's what, I mean, the question will be whether they do, and I think that they would. He says, the question that is now to be answered is who exactly will respond to Israel's provocations and how far will they go? Could we see missiles and drones from Iran, Iraq, Yemen, Lebanon, Syria, and Gaza all striking Israel? Seems likely. The question is, what will the U.S. government do when they kick that into reality? It should make you really sick that these people are allowed to just unilaterally, extrajudicially assassinate people, high-level people. Again, this is like a, a, a general or a colonel or a high-level military personnel in the U.S. being assassinated in the United States by an, by an Iranian drone. Can you even imagine the response of the world if that happened? Meanwhile, this happens, the same thing, and nobody even peeps. Where's the U.S. media? This is an incredible violation of international law. Nobody cares. Because they're hypocrites, guys. And now, guess what? Exactly what Robert was predicting is happening. This is today. Israel's parade through Palestinian area of Jerusalem, risking a new wave of violence. The U.S. government has said, don't do that. They're doing it anyway. It's, I just, it's, it speaks for itself. It should, it's frustrating because this is obvious and egregious and wrong. And these are racists you're staring at. These people that are openly, actively marching through these areas with supremacist mentality. 
You know, exactly like, oh, you, am I, am I an anti-Semite for saying that out loud? Oh, sorry. That's literally what's being discussed by the human rights organizations. Jewish supremacy from the Jordan River. That's what they're calling this, guys. This is what's so frustrating is they're, we're well past that point of pretending that pointing out the Israeli government crimes are somehow anti-Semitic. These are human rights organizations, international, saying they are apartheid Jewish supremacy organizations. Now, that does not mean every Jewish person in Israel is that way or that every person that is Jewish is that way or anybody. It's so more nuanced than that. And that's why they're desperate to make it seem racist. So you just shut down the conversation. Does that mean that there are there aren't racist people that would point at this and talk about it in that way? No, no, not at all. Of course that exists. That's what nuance is. That's what intelligent conversation is. Being able to recognize the difference. So here's the point in that conversation. U.S. raises concerns over U.N. human rights chiefs visit to China. Anthony Blinken's raising concerns with the U.N. human, the high commissioner for the human rights, Michelle Blanchett, recent, recent visit to China where she explored human rights issues in the country. Right. So it, what's frustrating is that this China is letting that happen. You know where that doesn't happen in the United States. They won't. That's not, they won't even they barely let the ICC even investigate what's going on with Afghanistan or different places. The U.N., as much as they're acting like this is sort like they're the ones pointing out who's doing bad things, there is an endless list of allegations of human rights violations by the U.S. government. And they just go quiet. We don't want to hear that. Including what he said to be the tension of at least one million Uyghur Muslims in prison-like camps in the region. Exactly, which is horrific. And if there's, I mean, and I'm like, I don't even need evidence to know that that's happening to some degree, but the amount and the question and where and how, yes, we need evidence of that because we know the media, especially when it's focused at U.S. adversaries, lies about a lot. But it's not a secret that China has a horrible human rights record and that they are abusing Uyghur Muslims and so on and on and on. The point then becomes, though, not to say that that's not important. Why does the U.S., why does Anthony Blinken thinks he has moral standing to make any comment about that? As they say, he was troubled by reports of residents in the area warned as they were warned not to complain or speak openly. You mean like exactly what's happening in Ukraine right now with your help and your support and the DynCorp and Blackwater and all these different groups that are working alongside them that are doing the same things that are on the record? I mean, it's endless right now. They're, they're quietly admitting half of this stuff right now, how they're being lied to. They're, they're actually losing the war. They can barely feed themselves. We'll talk about it in a second. Look, we continue to raise our concerns about China's human rights abuses. Uh, it says we are concerned that conditions in Beijing authorities imposed in the visit did not enable a complete and independent assessment. Oh, no, you mean you didn't get to see the full picture? Like this matters, doesn't it? But why is the U.S. government the one? Why isn't the U.N. the one standing up and saying this? This is the U.S. government yelling over the top of what the U.N. just did and saying, we're not happy with, there wasn't enough pointed at China. China bad guy. We all know China bad guy because China bad guy, right? That's what they're trying to do. Screaming everybody down and saying, don't look at what we are doing. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that it's not important that we recognize what China is doing. But this is a ploy. And it's so transparent because the history is unreal. Now, just since we talked about Israel, just recognize here is the Human Rights Watch saying Israel authorities and the crime of apartheid and persecution. They know this. Here is at Amnesty International. Israel's apartheid against Palestinians, a cruel system of domination and a crime against humanity. Pretty damn obvious, right? But, oh, racist. The facts are racist. Here's Beth Selim, a regime of Jewish supremacy from Jordan River to Mediterranean Sea. This is apartheid. This is unequivocal, guys. But then you can also stand back and recognize that it's the U.S. too. But why don't we care when the U.N. points at the U.S.? Because nobody makes an issue about it. The media is quiet about it. Other countries don't dare point at it because we don't want to be the next regime change, right? United Nations review will bring U.S. human rights abuses to light. This was 2020. 
It's weird how nobody cares when that happens, though, right? U.S. issues scathing assessment of U.S. human rights record. U.N. holds U.S. accountable for human rights violations at home and abroad. Not really. They love to say those things. They just point at stuff. Nothing happens. United Nations, independent rights experts urge U.S. to address their systemic racism and racial bias. U.S. war crimes in Yemen. Stop looking the other way or, you know, keep doing it. We won't do anything about it. That's that's what the underlying point is. We'll say this, but do nothing. But then when U.S. stands up and yells, we didn't do enough to point out China's problems. Well, we'll all jump too. amnesty, U.S. abusing human rights. I mean, this goes all the way back to to uh, Guantanamo and way before that. Guys, this stuff is a bla- is blatantly obvious. Here's something that will upset you. So as we're going, look at them, look at them, bad, bad, bad. State Department approves $2.6 billion helicopter deal for where's my favorite dictator? As Trump famously said on the record about Sisi, the leader in Egypt, the sales to Egypt come despite concerns in Washington over Cairo's human rights abuses and its harsh treatment of political prisoners. Isn't that funny? So we're willing to sell billions of dollars of high-level military equipment to people who do exactly what you're upset about that you're saying China's doing right now. Political prisoners and the abuse of them. That is not a joke. Exactly what they're saying. The way they're detaining them, the conditions over their detention. Right. Okay, so that's a problem. But here's Egypt doing exactly the same thing, being called out by far more people. But yeah, we want to make money though, right? So we only care about human rights abuses when it works in our agenda's direction because we're good people, right? Totally makes sense. Egypt receives about $1.3 billion in military aid from the U.S. every year. Despite all these things, they continue to do and nobody stops. The second highest of any country except for Israel, which also has a gross, obvious record of human rights violations and war crimes, Although Ukraine has surpassed both nations. Perfect. So one, two, and three, write down the list of who they fund the most. Some of the worst people on the planet right now doing some of the worst things to people out in the world. President Biden vowed to take a harder line on Egyptian President Sisi, but then continued the arms sales, right? We're going to do more to say things out loud and then not do them like we did with Afghanistan or Syria or Iraq or anything else that he said he was going to do differently. Very frustrating, but very, very expected. Now, one last point on foreign policy. Suicide drones were just used in the attack of a military complex in Iran. Well, who remind me, guys, who did they do to the U.S. government just make a big statement about giving suicide drones to? Oh, that's right. Ukraine. Now, just because they have both, they have suicide drones and just so happens to be suicide drones that were just used against Iran. Doesn't mean we prove that it was Ukraine, you know, otherwise being calling themselves as the, the, the new big Israel. Oh, who, you remind me who, again, is also attacking Iran all the time right now? Or, oh, Israel, that's right. And so what do we have to, the point is, guys, it's a very obvious potential discussion to be had here of whether or not Ukraine, who is openly calling themselves a new Israel, is just an extension of that agenda and is continuing to use these suicide drones to continue to hurt Iran and other adversaries of Israel. Just a thought. But no, 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 fake news is racist. You can't say those things, right? Sensitive Iranian military sites were targeted. <laughs> right. Come on, guys. It's quite obvious that at least somebody's doing that. Well, there's only a few culprits out there that would be doing that, and there's only a few of them that literally just got a big shipment of suicide drones. But, you know, I'll leave it to you to think for yourself. And before we come back to some of these things, I want to talk about the discussion of the shooters that I just wanted to give you a couple of quick updates about, because it's interesting to see how this has gone, and it's not going to surprise you if you haven't seen this yet. I mean, it's just, I haven't put a tweet out about this when I first saw it. I said, gee, why am I not surprised? I, we, because most of us said, this is probably what's going to happen. This is as of 26th, 
Authorities investigating if retired federal agent knew of Buffalo mass shooting plans in advance. Well, spoiler alert, he did. And the reality is that this was a person that was in this discord, which means he very clearly did know. The way that they're framing this is really strange to me. You'll see what I mean. As it goes on to say, law enforcement officers are investigating whether a retired federal agent had about 30 minutes of advance notice of a the white supremacist plan to murder black people at a Buffalo supermarket. Two law enforcement officials told the Buffalo News. Now, again, we're talking about Buffalo, not Texas. So there's interesting crossover here, though. And I'll make a point when we go over to the other side of the Texas part of this. But check this out. So he's talking about the Buffalo shooter. Authorities believe that the former agent, who apparently had access to this Discord thing, he posted this ahead of time, who was believed to be from Texas. Well, that's quite an interesting overlap was one of the at least six individuals who regularly communicated with accused gunman Peyton Gendron in an online chat room where racist hatred was discussed, two officials said. So we're going to pretend this guy who is a former former agent who just so happened to be from Texas, who already had continual discussion with this guy, just in the one time where it would have mattered was the one, we don't know, he wasn't there. You know, feel free to, we should be questioning everything. But it's really, it's quite a stretch to go out of your way to be like, everything points to the fact that he was there, but we're going to act like we don't know even though there's evidence that he was in this room. that the it's, it's really interesting. I feel like they're going out of their way to make this more muddled. The two law enforcement sources with direct knowledge of the investigation stated these individuals were invited by Gendron to read about his mass shooting plans at a target location about 30 minutes before the, the Topps market shooting. Now it says, what is especially upsetting is that these six people received the advance notice of the Buffalo shooting about 30 minutes before it happened, including this former agent. What's interesting to me though, is I see where this goes already. Just, just the way I feel this moving is that right now, and there are, and they, they talk about it. The person, let's say you got this notification, right? Somebody sent this to you. Let's say you don't even know the person. You just got a DM, right? You click on it and you look at the, okay, this looks weird, whatever. The point is that those people then are suddenly culpable. Why didn't you call the police? I got to be quite honest. There's a, there's going to take a hell of a lot for me to call the police for just about anything today. That's just my opinion. So when you click on something like this, how do you even, how do you know it's real, right? How do you know that that's actually what's happening? I'm not saying you shouldn't feel free. You want to call the authorities? That's on you. Absolutely. And you should have that right. Maybe it's the right thing to do. The bottom line is that the fact that you can frame somebody as being potentially culpable for what happened because you didn't go out of your way to see something, say something, especially when you don't even know what's happening. This could be a movie. This could be fake. This could be, the point is that they're going, they're trying to, in this, this part of it, it feels like they're trying to push people to call the authorities based on anything, which we know is happening. See something, say something kind of a world we're being pushed into. You'll see what I mean as I go forward. It says the FBI has verified <clears throat> that none of these people called law enforcement to warn them about the shooting. The FBI database shows no advanced tips from anyone at the shooting. So, but again, why are we just going to assume that they knew that? Or how do you know they even were watching it? Maybe they turned it on and walked away. But nonetheless, they're investigating these people. I find that very interesting and very alarming that this is now being pushed into a world where you're in your online activities. If you don't, you know, this is the equivalent of not standing up and denouncing a shooting and therefore you're supporting it kind of a thing that you're now, you're, you're going to be, I'm thinking of it from like a social credit standpoint, but that could lead to actual real world action that you didn't do the right thing here. So now you're going to be held accountable for it. That's the world they're kind of driving this into right now. 
But it says agents from the FBI are in the process of tracking down and interviewing the six people, including the retired agent, and attempting to determine if any of them should be charged as accomplices. Wow, that's crazy. The two sources with close knowledge of the probe told Buffalo News. Now, let, me, let me take this even a step further. Now, look, to be quite honest, if I saw this and I thought something was actually happening like this, I'd probably, I would call the authorities. Even though I have aggressive distrust for anybody in these positions, the la- whether or not this is even a psyop, the last thing I want is for anybody to be hurt, especially children. But the point is, though, to take this to its extreme, why would it be your obligation to do so? Now, yes, from like a so, uh, a community standpoint, like you should do the right thing or the other way they would frame this. Like you, but it's not legally your obligation. Somebody sent this to you. You didn't you didn't petition them for it. So they send it to you. You look at it and you watch it. Now, I would find it pretty hard to justify watching horrific things like that. And with even the thought that it could be real and not doing something about it to some degree. My point, though, is that from a legal standpoint, to drive this into you're now accomplice because you didn't do something. Yeah, that's I, I almost can't even contextualize why that's so alarming. But that's a, that's a step in this direction we're going. It says agents from the FBI are in the process of tracking down and interviewing six people. As I just read that part, it says two sources did not identify the agent by name and could not confirm what the federal agency he worked for. How is that possible? They're holding that back from you. That needs to be suspicious. If this guy is a former agent, why wouldn't we immediately get to know where he worked for, what his name was, all this different stuff? They're doing it with everybody else. Very strange to me. The Buffalo FBI office, of course, declined to comment. What? Think about how that's crazy. The U.S. Attorney's Office declined to comment. Are you kidding me? These are people right now that could, what if the information about this person could help somebody else? So the bottom line being that this is obviously being held close to the chest because I think there's more going on here, as always. Again, is it shocking to you that the FBI had contact with this person before it happened? And that's not even the main part. There's another one we'll get to next. Federal authorities are investigating if the retired agent provided information to him before he went on a shooting. Oh, so now it begins to look like possibly somebody was a handler. Now, we should be able to ask these questions because, yes, it has happened many times before. I just can't keep saying that enough. Before this, I forget what the year was. I, you know, I think I have it somewhere saved. But the New York Times even wrote an article about how the FBI is rampantly setting up their own things to be stopped. But now you can't say that. It's conspiracy theory. But we're watching this stuff happen. That doesn't mean that there's not some level of truth to what's going on. But for crying out loud, guys, if this person was in contact with him, that makes it like a... That's almost, I mean, every single shooting I've seen that's been hype, uh, um, highlighted by the corporate media, every single one of them in the past, however long, has been, oh, the FBI talked to him three times before this happened, or the guy was working with them on the background. It's unbelievable. And that's mathematically impossible to just make that a coincidence. Now, here's the interesting part. This person named Sandman, they haven't figured out. In the diary, Jenrin indicates this guy Sandman, Saint Sandman, counseled him on the manufacturers of AR-15 semi-automatic rifles and their quality. The shooter purchased and allegedly used that type of assault rifle in the the rampage with local authorities have said he's fueled by racial hatred. The point, though, is that, remember, again, I think that's why they wanted to push this into a, you know, hunting rifle discussion, because the reality is the laws and the books where he is already made this illegal. So, again... More laws for somebody who's breaking the law doesn't make any sense. And they know that. This is not about trying to stop. The person who's going to break the law to do this doesn't care about the laws in front of him. So to implement more laws to stop the person who already didn't follow the laws is pretty damn stupid. But he referenced this Sandman person three different times. To me, that sounds like somebody who is a handler. 
I think it's quite obvious we're staring at. The real point, though, is how little investigation is being done by the supposed mainstream journalists because you're not allowed to talk about this kind of stuff. Texas Shooter was also, by the way, arrested for, oh, excuse me, again, to be clear, Texas Shooter, Buffalo was the first discussion, who had an FBI agent that he's apparently guiding him that was from Texas. Now, the Texas Shooter was apparently arrested four years ago for planning to shoot up a school when he turned 18. Now, I want to be very careful about making these kind of points because this kind of information, for all we know, could be put there for the very purpose of us going, why didn't you do something about it? Because that's not where my mind is about this. My mind is not that these people should be proactively taking action before people commit crimes. That is not, that is pre-crime, and that is never what I'm arguing. But what we need to see is that even with what they say they should be doing, it's, it's, it's sort of like arguing from within their narrative, right? It's still not doing something. They're still they're in places with lots of laws that they should have stopped them with people investigating them with the FBI. They even they even were apparently monitoring him and it still happened. The point, guys, is these things will happen regardless because people who want to break the law to do this will do so anyway. What is driving this more than anything is the normalization of violence, the rampant lawlessness being framed as a good thing by your government, like, you know, death and destruction for freedom is translating to them that you just you're if you're strong enough you take what you want because that's what the right thing to do is or the o- overwhelming medication medicated state of these kids and then the covid-19 psychosis breakdown of everything they believe in and understand i mean it's not very hard to see why this is happening if that is what's ultimately happening and then all it takes is a little nudge by the sandman and there you go but in this case there's a history here and it's weird that that's every single time Now, I'm not saying that proves anything, by the way, because, yeah, you would argue there would be a history if this kid was struggling. But it's the continuity of this, that it's every single time. And it's always these very selected choices and how they're, you know, what they do, what they think, what they operate. Now, there's a bunch of these threads in here that you can look through. Story is not adding up. And there's a lot of discussion here. But the most of this aligns with the inconsistent nature of the story, which doesn't always prove that it wasn't the case. Inconsistencies can happen for a lot of reasons, but it's still something that you should consider, which is the last thing they want you to do. They want you just to go, well, no, there's an explanation, therefore trust the narrative. Well, no, that's the last thing anybody should do. (laughs) This is so funny. By the way, just before we get there, gee, I wonder why they're shoving that in your face right now. Experts say masks are safe and effective, safe and effective, they're safe and effective. Just keep screaming that. And if you click on the link, of course, it's going to say the exact opposite or just going to say they're effective, experts say, with nothing to back it up. Don't worry. We'll get to the peer-reviewed science that literally says the opposite of that. But Twitter said, (laughs) God, people are so childish. This point right here, it says, if the shooter entered the school around 1130, why was the school not locked down until 1143? Now, again, that point, for instance, you could say that's just incompetence. Now, I don't know if I believe that or not, but that's certainly something that could be the case because we're going to get into these the, the next parts about how they seemingly are now admitting they did the wrong thing. I mean, it could be just that they're cowards and afraid to do what they're paid to do or that they were letting things happen. I mean, we shouldn't be afraid of saying this kind of stuff. I'm not saying it's okay that it happened. It's horrifying that these kids were killed, especially if it was done for something horrific like an agenda. Either way, it's sad and disgusting. Nonetheless, the truth should not be hidden from because, you know, it's sensitive. It's a sensitive topic. By discussing and dissecting the reality of this thing, whether or not you think it's what it's a lot. The point is that that is the honest thing to do. That's what investigators, researchers, journalists do. That's not undermining the the 
memory of these people. You know what's actually doing that? The politicization of their death and the constant emotional tear-jerking stories being spun by these people diving into the life and no they were aspiring to do this and they wanted to be that these that's abusing their memory i don't know why parents would ever do that that's between you and the family you know you want to celebrate their life the last place you should do that is on cnn or fox news because they are abusing that memory by trying to figure out what actually happened to them even if it turns out to be what they said it was that's not a that's not undermining or disparaging anybody's memory and they know that it's quite obvious. But this notice to the story says the shooter only entered the school after shooting at responding officers. There's just inconsistencies. <clears throat> it says, and there's different reports. By the way, these reports, see what's interesting that happens all the time is the media comes out with garbage reports that turn out to be false and maybe they're doing it on purpose. But then we point at that and say, look what they said here. And yet we then tend to take that as this did happen and now they're hiding it. Isn't it also likely that they're just garbage, not real journalists, and they're just dumping out information they thought would be popular at the time? That's part of it too, right? It's, it has, we can't just say they're always lying to us and then using it as fact when we later want to point that, look at what they accidentally said here. You know, it's a, we have to be objective. It could be both, one or the other. Now, there's a lot in here, by the way. And I see I have some of these in here, but these are just all a bunch of hypothetical points that you should go through. Not the real focal point of my, my discussion today. There's always a lot of points that you could just get into that some may have explanations, but there's a lot of them. And I agree. A lot of this stuff doesn't really add up. And I think the main part of it, and that's why I'm let you go through this yourself, is what actually happened here. Because these are the parts that we can see. Now, you can go through and discuss a lot of this. I don't remember. I'm, damn it. It's already an hour. Oh, well. So this is a video of parents outside the school being basically held back while something was happening. And this person says this video makes more sense now. The cops literally stopped parents from helping their kids. It's pretty crazy. And one of these people was tackled to the ground. I mean, seriously, like imagine, imagine if you wanted to do something and they were stopping you and then, then you found out that your kid was shot. I mean, good God. I mean, think about how messed up that is. Then recognize that the reality is that they had documentation that showed that they were supposed to do something and that they didn't. And you can go through all this. And by the way, now they're basically saying that they, they it wasn't the right decision to delay sending. It. Oh yeah. You don't say. Maybe because you already knew that that was a bad decision. Maybe because your own documentation made it the very clear outline that that's the last thing you should do. This is just blatant fear or holding back because somebody told you to. I mean, I don't know how else you look at this. If you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying it's, it's, I understand why you'd be scared to go in a situation where you could die, but isn't that their job? The whole, I mean, this is like a fireman going, well, let's wait and see what happens with the fire before we run in there. Let's, let's not be too hasty. Are you kidding me? Your job is to go in there and put your life on the line to defend the, especially those kids. And now they just get to walk back out and go, well, clearly we made the wrong decision. Yeah. I know. I'm not buying that. I, I mean, it, it, this is why somebody would think it's acceptable to even act like that was a, a choice on the table. I mean, this something screams that that's suspicious to me. On top of that, by the way, this was a place where they were already monitoring these kids long before this, specifically for school shootings. Now, add this to the discussion about all the things they're already doing and how it doesn't. It's sort of like the war on terror. 
the war of terror and how they argued that they were doing this to keep you safe. But all they really did was just scoop up literally every piece of information they could. And the only time that became relevant was after the fact, looking back. And we knew this. People called that out in the beginning and they go, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. And it's the same thing that happens every time. Oh, well, we took up too, too much information. The point is that nothing means anything until you know where to look. Because guess what? That was always the point because you were the focal point. Same thing here. They're just gobbling up all this information from all the kids and all the students and, rec- and, then, and then, these, then the whole reason they're doing it and this happens anyway. Now, I'm not, their argument is just going to be because we have to do it more and get better. And then when it still happens, well, guess what? We need more control and more monitoring, more metal detectors and more armed guards and more turning our schools into prisons. It's the opposite of what we should be doing because guess what? Even in prisons, it still happens. I mean, just think about how ridiculous it is. They're driving you into this panopticon by using your children against you, even if this was an organic event. Yulvald CISD purchased social media monitoring service years before the shooting. It says they, they cons- uh, the Yulvald the, uh, Consolidated Independent School District purchased a technology service to monitor social media for threats of school shootings and suicides years before this happened. Excuse me. The monitoring service called Social Sentinel says it uses sophisticated artificial intelligence to scan over a billion posts a day for threats of violence. The social the service is used widely across the state, but it's unclear whether it would have been effective in alerting Yuval to the shooter's posts. I mean, okay, this is May 25th. Uh, I'm not really sure why that's unclear. It's unclear whether it would have been effective. I mean, okay, so you're using it, it's been active, and you're, it obviously didn't work, and yet now we're going on, we're not sure whether or not it could have been. I mean, I don't even understand the choice of words there, as if it's a future, if it's something you're deciding going forward. It didn't work, and that's the point. It wasn't, it was there, it was being used, they were monitoring these kids, they didn't even tell them what's happening, and yet now they're going, well, it's not, sure, we're not, it's not clear. Well, the fact that it happened pretty clearly shows you that it doesn't work. Before it was taken down Wednesday afternoon, an Instagram account purportedly belonging to the shooter showed several images of AR-15 style rifles, which it's, it's funny. The, the, the people writing this stuff don't even understand the words they use. Social Sentinel says it monitors several social media platforms, including Instagram. Now, this is what's interesting, guys. They're focusing on everything but Instagram. I wonder why. And has advertised to clients in the past the ability to detect firearms in pictures. But according to the Social Sentinel's terms of use of the platform, the service monitors content posted to the client school's social media accounts. Now, I'm going to show you in the older article on the same platform back in 2015, I believe, where they literally said the opposite. None of the images had a caption or mention of the school or district. So here's their sidestep. They're going, oh, well, we're only monitoring things where they discuss the school. Okay, I mean, think about how... That's, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and go on a limb and say that's blatant lie. Because how do you know it has a mention of the school or a caption has a mention? Of the what if it's a picture? There's no captions on it. I mean, come on. That's that's false. And I'm going to prove to you that they say that's false. What they're trying to do now is make it look like, well, no, we're only looking at things that use the school's name or something dumb like that. That's why. So what do we need? Carte blanche. More effort to monitor everything they're doing all the time. And then we'll stop them. Very self serving. But here's my point. So this is the same place, the Dallas Morning News, same platform, same uh, outlet back, oh, excuse me, 2021, where it's simply talking about schools, Texas schools are surveilling students online, often without their knowledge or consent. Great. So now we just went right past the fact that these are local schools 
that are making choices to surveil children without the parents' consent. Like, that's incredible. But now we're so far past that even mattering that they're going, well, we didn't go far enough. So we didn't break the law enough? Talk about asking for forgiveness instead of permission, huh? It doesn't even matter. They just rash or they justify the reason. Problem, reaction, solution. Shouldn't somebody go to jail for literally spying on children? Think about what else could have happened here or what else probably did happen. My God, campuses are using technology to watch students' email, web history, social media posts in what they say is an effort to protect them. I mean, even the Dallas Morning News is like, I don't know about that. I mean, this is pretty crazy. Texas schools are rapidly scaling up the use, 2021, of technology that monitors emails, web history, social media posts of potentially millions of students, often without their knowledge or consent. Despite these worries, Texas schools have spent millions of tax dollars, your money, on services since 2015. Your money spent to monitor your children without your consent or permission. How is that even possible? Well, it's possible in a broken society where the powerful do what they want and frame it as doing the right thing. No state has more contracts with digital surveillance companies than Texas, according to GovSpend, a company that tracks government spending. Well, what's interesting, if that's the case, how much you want to bet we're going to see a weird focus on specifically Texas? Let's see how that goes forward. Using school records and purchasing data, purchasing data, the news examines some of the most widely used monitoring technologies in Texas schools. First and foremost, Social Sentinel. In the past six years, more than 200 districts districts statewide have used these technologies. At least 28 of them are in North Texas. And it goes on to list a bunch of the locations. What it says is the companies offer services ranging from public social media monitoring to tracking nearly everything a student does on a device. Just a different picture they're painting from now. Going, oh, it didn't work only because we only did it this way. Social Sentinel says it scans more than a billion posts on social media every day against more than 450,000 words and phrases that indicate potential harm. It then uses artificial intelligence to identify potential threats of violence and suicide. So if we're really going to pretend that you're only allowed to do that on posts that explicitly list the school or are used on school social media posts, this is meaningless. You know what they're doing is monitoring their social media, monitoring their actions online. Otherwise, it makes no sense. If if you're talking about his Instagram post, please explain for me how that has anything to do with the school. They're blatantly lying to us right now, and and that's my opinion, but explain for me how that makes sense. It goes on to say, Social Sentinel co-founder Gary Margolis has said in news interviews that the service doesn't surveil or monitor students because it merely scans public social media posts. Okay, but see how that's quite a bit different than only school-related posts? It's obviously not the truth. Down here it says, when the University of North Texas bought Social Sentinel in 2015, it did not tell students that their public social media posts could be monitored. Now, these aren't children in this case, it's University of North Texas, but this is happening on all sorts of schools and it's not there, the, even adults, I mean, anybody, these are adults, these are people in college, they have a right to know they're being monitored. Although Social Sentinel's tool is designed to detect threats on campuses, it also can inadvertently capture social media posts from people who are not students. Are we still pretending it's only about school-focused stuff if you're sweeping up people that aren't even involved? Come on. That's because the company's system considers the location listed in a user's social media profile, oh, you mean not the one connected to the school, to determine whether an alert should be issued. BuzzFeed News data provided the news shows the service also looks at whether the posters follow an official campus account, even if they never attended the school. Okay, so let's put that out the door here. They're no or off the table. We're clearly, if you're scooping up people that are just simply, I mean, it's obviously not the way they're framing it as today. 
Margolis, the Social Sentinel founder, has said in interviews that the service has a 90% success rate in detecting the proper context of the 1 billion social media posts it scans every day. But an analysis of Social Sentinel data by BuzzFeed News found that the service generated a flood of alerts seeming to contain non-threatening information. So the bottom line here is even if, let's just say it's 90% effective. So what happens when that 10% happens and some kid gets through and kills a lot of people? Well, that what then? You're not doing enough. What about the children? It's the same thing, guys. Well, what, at what point? It's just a continually driving, moving goalpost to say, well, it, as long as it, it can happen and it will happen, sadly enough, that's the world we live in. Not because the Republicans or the Democrats or politics. It's just the world. People do bad things because whatever, you fill in the blank. That's just the world. That's, that's life, guys. Not to say that it's good or bad. Or not to, not to say it's good. It is what it is, and it is bad. It's sad when these things happen. But the bottom line is, what happens when that 10% happens? Are they going to go, oh, well, we, what's good? We're already in the right place, so let's just chalk it up to that 10%. No, people will use it politically, like you see happening now. Whoever's in power will be called out for not doing enough, and they'll point to what we need to do, and it's the same thing. Same point I made the other day. Abbott, you're not doing enough. So let's say he had done what you thought was enough. You'd still be saying that today. It's a never-ending push because people aren't doing this for the right reasons. There's other actions that could be taken to actually make this make sense. Now, I'm not going to even get into my opinions of what you should do because that's not the point of the conversation today. But there are plenty of other options than putting kids in prison to keep them protection, protected from other kids in that prison. I mean, it's ridiculous. <clears throat> but it goes on to say <clears throat> the idea of non-threatening information. Rethinking its use of Social Sentinel after receiving a large number of alerts for non-threatening posts. It says, in an email, a Social Sentinel sales director told Stephen F. Austin, State University police detective, that the services was service was used not only to prevent suicides and shootings, but get this, also for forestalling potentially volatile protests and demonstrations. Now, gee, I wonder how they know something will be, will be violent. Maybe because they're speaking violently, or maybe just because they've den denoted certain political talking points as potentially dangerous. So now they're monitoring you to make sure you don't protest the wrong things. This is what they're doing, guys. And the point is, this was there. It's already there. The laws were in place that they thought were enough. Everything they're supposed to be. And, and guess what? Now, here's an interesting point. Texas school shooting, Yulval Gunman uh, threatened rape shootings on Yubo before massacres, users say. What's interesting is they point out Yubo, but they fail, they fail to point out that most of it happened on Instagram. But the bottom line is, again... This kid, I mean, let's be clear about this. If this kid was threatening rape, that's a crime. He should have been arrested for that. If that's proven and it did happen, yeah, that's a crime. He could be arrested. Showing off a rifle he bought, well, that's not a crime, right? Now, the point is that if you get, you if, think about the absurdity of people in, in party, party politics yelling, well, you don't like it, then vote. You know, get out there and vote because that's how you, you don't just take action yourself. You vote and you change things, right? Okay. Well, if the law is that it's not illegal to show a rifle, you don't just, you don't just get to say, we're going to do this. We're going to claim he's now a threat because of, because of our personal perspective on it, because there's plenty of peaceful people out there that just like to own a gun because that's their constitutional right. And personally, my opinion is that as a kid, as a younger person, especially with living on land, you know, and this is where my mind goes, but living in an open area, I want my son to be able to know how to protect himself, to know how to hunt, to know to do these things. And protecting himself is one of the primary points. Because people who understand and respect these items do not then 
tend to be the people that abuse them. It's usually the people that think they're cool or something different and they fall into the propagandized world that's being built around them. Those are the ones highly medicated, broken from COVID-19. That's what's happening, in my opinion. The point here is that this person had done things they say were crimes. You don't need to build an entire discussion or new policy to do things. The point is people should, like, again, going to their point, if the FBI already had this discussion, why were they not doing anything? Again, not to say that I think they should have, but the idea is that there's already things in place and there's multiple points of which these things failed. To add one more thing, it just doesn't make sense. Address the fact that what you think you're doing is not working. Instead of just adding one more failed step. It's all politics, guys, and we have to keep seeing that. Another, again, this is, this, is, this, this is another thread here discussing some of these things. But it says, how should, oh, th- this was the main point about their, about their uh, documentation. And you can see that it discusses what they should be doing. Officers' first priority is to move in and confront the attacker. This is the documentation on the record at this school. But it says here, well, how should officers confront the gunman with a tactical team? The training says that's probably not feasible because the urgency is so high. So it's a single officer, the training says, may need to confront the suspect on their own. This is listed in the documentation. You can read through this for yourself. And yet, the point is, they didn't do anything. They stood there and waited and arguably let this get worse. These are just in, these are just informational points that you need to understand. And yet, you won't hear the full picture. You'll get It'll come down to simply politics and guns saying guns need to be stopped because bad guy politics, that's all they're going to do, and it's gross, and they're abusing the memory of these people while pointing at people like us being honest about this as doing the same. Now, where are we? One hour, ten. Okay, let's quickly go through some Ukraine points here, and then we'll finish off with the mask and COVID-19. Now, Jim Rickards points out, and he's right, and this is what I've been telling you from the beginning, guys. Americans have been fed a steady diet of propaganda about Ukraine winning the whole time. In fact, Russia has taken uh, a a key logistics logistics hub, Lehman, and has encircled the Ukrainian army in this location here. I'm not going to try that one. I'm not pro-Russian. He says I'm pro-American and pro-sticking to the facts. But you see, that's pro to to anybody out there blindly following the narrative. You are pro-Russia if you're following the facts. But the point is, guys, it's simple. It's obvious. The data has always been there. And if you're just towing the line, you won't see it. But they have been fed this propaganda. We're watching them completely continue to fall apart. We're watching Russia do what they said they were going to do. Now, I'm not saying that there couldn't be more behind the scenes happening. But I'm saying what we can see on the surface and what they said they were going to do perfectly match up right now. I've been saying that from the very beginning. And if you see that, you have to at least ask yourself whether you're being lied to about what their objectives are, what they want to do. Right. Ask yourself how in the world Fox and CNN and New York Times and Washington Post know what Putin wants or how he feels. Let's think about how childishly stupid that is. But the bottom line is what you can see shows you a very clear picture. Now, on top of that, I think what we're seeing is that picture pushing its way out and they're desperate right now. You're going to see this continue to fall apart, which we're seeing coming from even corporate media. <clears throat> but as Marvin Mays pointing out on February 15th, And you can see this is verifiable information coming directly from the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Europe monitoring this situation. They recorded 41 ceasefire violations as Kiev's forces began shelling Donbass. And I believe it's gone up since then. And it's documented. The point is, these are all on the side of Kiev. These are This is the Ukraine government openly violating ceasefire, and they don't care. It's sort of like what happens in Yemen. Saudi Arabia can constantly violate this the moment that the Yemen, that the Houthis do anything. They scream and say they violated it, push in further. 
And then, of course, the people that don't look at one side or the other, like Pompeo at the time, would scream about how they're the only ones violating it. It's blatantly false. As even the UN calls it up, but they just don't, just like always, they only point to what the UN says when they like what they're saying. But you could, there's Moon of Alabama, in fact, who was covering this as well, saying the, oh, I believe that's where it actually came from. The OSCE mission reports show that the great majority of impact explosions of the artillery were on the side of the Donbass, on their side of the firing line. <laughs> like, like the joke being that we're going to pretend that they just fired on themselves over and over and over. The point is that nobody cares that the Ukraine government is blatantly violating what they're told they shouldn't, the, the, the norms or the, the ceasefire agreements or whatever. And it's not just the agreements, though. I was looking for a broader word because anything. They're violating international norms, law, everything. They're shooting POWs. All this has been admitted to by their own people. They're just so desperate to cover this up from a corporate level. They just won't point at it. But the evidence is there for you to check out for yourself. They are openly bombing civilian areas while it's supposed to be a ceasefire. It's pretty disgusting. Now, on top of that, while they're failing, like while this is obviously falling apart in front of them, the U.S. government is aggressively doubling down, tripling down. U.S. leaning towards giving Ukraine long-range rocket systems. Think about that. Long-range systems that can reach Russia. Politico reported Friday that the Biden administration is leaning towards giving Ukraine advanced long-range rocket systems, which would mark a significant escalation in U.S. military aid to Kiev. Biden was hesitant to give Ukraine the rocket systems over concerns they could be useful, used to hit targets inside Russia that would risk prolonging the war and provoking Moscow. Yeah, that's a very kind way to say that, or just gentle way to say that. <laughs> like, so if we're going to pretend that they could fire into Russia, guys, that would blow this out of proportion. Because you would start to see things hitting Russia. Russia would point, I mean, and they would just pretend that it was Russia incompetence. It's probably their own factories blowing up because they're so bad at what they do. It's the same stuff they do to everybody else. And this would go out of control very quickly. Probably why they're doing it, because they're losing control of this narrative. The new $40 billion plus aid package will now allow the Pentagon to ship directly to Ukraine. It's just, this is always what's been happening, but now they're just openly doing it. Biden administration is going to ship directly from the Pentagon stockpile. Now, nobody cares about how that's depleting U.S. stockpiles, but it's almost like now we don't care. Isn't it funny how it was all about making sure we were protected and we're stocked and we're ready? And now it's like Ukraine just dump everything over there because we need to fight for freedom, apparently, even though it's literally obviously not what's happening. No matter who you believe. I mean, it's incredible. But on top of that, while they're discussing that, well, we're going to go ahead and dump in over half a billion dollars worth of more stingers. U.S. Army awards Raytheon $687 million to replenish stingers sent to Ukraine. More money coming out of your pocket while you can't feed your family. The U.S. Army has awarded Raytheon a contract worth over $687 million, half a billion dollars more, almost almost three quarters of a billion, for stinger anti-aircraft missiles to replenish stockpiles that have been sent to Ukraine. They are going to continue to fund this and keep them fighting as they're being, I mean, it's obvious what's happening. They're using Ukraine to the last man. <clears throat> U.S. general hints at military options to help export Ukrainian grain. Problem, reaction, solution. Plant a bunch of mines in the ports so nobody can get out what you want to get out and then point at it and say, look, they're not letting the grain out. And then you pretending you need to go in with a military operation to take it. <clears throat> U.S. general nominated to be the next commander of NATO suggested in a Senate hearing on Thursday that he may offer military options. So literally talking about boots on the ground invasion to facilitate grain exports from Ukraine, to help break Russia's blockade of Ukraine's southern coast. You know, what's funny is how, oh, we care so much about this blockade. What about the Yemeni blockade that's been going on for like 13 years? What about that one, though? Starving an entire country to death. 
Yeah, we don't care about that one because it's not politically advantageous for us. Freedom. Got to love it. huh? Now, on top of that, guess what? Well, they're screaming that we're he's holding the world hostage. And he, the Ukrainian city, uh, Ravine, if I'm saying it correctly, people are being given flour from the United Nations. Meanwhile, in the Ukrainian city of Odessa, the neo-Nazis are exporting grain abroad <laughs> and making money from it. Isn't that interesting? So while they're pretending they're starving, the Ukrainians are the ones selling export, the, the very sort of like how they're taking wheat and everything and oil from Syria. It's almost as if they're not actually operating as Ukrainians, but rather as a proxy force for somebody outside, sort of like we've seen a hundred times over. But yeah, this guy's a, a, a Russia, pro-Russia, so it's all fake news, of course, of course, right? Well, no, nah, it's not at all because it's actually happening. Ukrainian fighters are having to survive on a potato a day. I'll show you the reports. And I've been deserting because they feel they're being sent to certain death. Yes, exactly like we've been telling you from the beginning, exactly you can back up with the documentation on the ground. People, including the, I forget his name, Olhoft, I believe, the, the U.S. military personnel, the, the person who spoke on the record saying he was going to be shot in the back if he left, and they all tried to fake news him left and right. Well, he told you this, and it's true, that their people are fleeing, and they're shooting them when they do. But you're a Kremlin propagandist and a Putin lover if you say Kiev should negotiate an end to the proxy war. <clears throat> She says down here, it's not the people calling for peaceful solutions who support Ukrainians. It's the big, brave, blue-eyed, yellow flag emoji Twitter users demanding Zelensky accept nothing short of total victory. It's so ridiculous. I mean, this is such an obvious ploy. But here's the point. Oh, another tweet, but I'll show you the Washington Post. Breaking. Sergei Lapko, the Ukrainian commander who gave an interview to the Washington Post, who's the one who told us that their soldiers were, quote, living on one potato a day, has suddenly been removed from his post and arrested. Isn't that interesting? Because, you know, that's what happens in democracies, right? You tell the truth and you get put in jail. Look at what happened to Julian Assange. Don't we know how democracy works? Come on, guys. Obviously, I'm being facetious, but this is the point. This is how false democracies work. This is how fascist dictatorships work, which is what we're living in. And they are actively putting people, especially the neo-Nazi governments, you can't speak stuff like this. You'll get shot in the back of the head outside of a courthouse, just like the other guy, or shot dead in your car because you're blogging the wrong thing, like they admitted to. You know, this is so open, it makes my teeth hurt. Here is a blog talking about this. Commander of the Armed Forces of Ukraine arrested in Ukraine who gave an interview to the Washington Post. It's very easy to prove this is happening, guys. Here's the Washington Post. Ukraine commander, commander surrounded by Russians, describes life inside besieged Mariupol plant. All right, so he's telling you, we're surviving on a potato a day. You can read it for yourself. I have, I have it on, you can see, just because they put this paywall here, Washington Post. Same guy, same name, So, but now he's arrested. It's quite obvious what's happening. They don't want people to know that they're not, that they're losing and always have been. Whatever you think about anybody else. Then it says, Ukrainian volunteers in the East feel abandoned as Russia advances. This is another Washington Post. Right now, this is coming out right now, and they're admitting that people, and it says right here, Stuck in their trenches, Ukrainian volunteers lived off a potato a day. That's the Washington Post saying that. But but this guy gets arrested and jailed for admitting that? Where where are the people screaming human rights? Doesn't that matter? Apparently not. And you know why. Because they're dishonest. But these people, it's just like the Kurds in Syria. They're using them. And people are running from overseas, UK and elsewhere, pretending like they're fighting for freedom. And as they're stuck there with not, with no supplies, a potato a day, and obviously being pushed back into a corner, they start to feel like they got screwed. 
because they did. Just like the people in Venezuela that fled across the border because they were told they would be safe by the U.S. government and then they got arrested. And many of them are still in jail today. I've talked about this many times. That's what happens when you trust the U.S. government that they're going to take care of you. Now, on top of that, these are the people that they are working with. British media whitewashing Ukrainian neo-Nazis, UK, UK journalist tells RT. The editor of newspaper The Morning Sun, which is a British newspaper, before you all rush out the Russian propaganda, and say, says how he saw on the ground how rampant the far right is in Western Ukraine. Major British media outlets are providing one-sided coverage of the Ukrainian conflict and are making efforts to exonerate neo-Nazis in the country. According to Steve Sweeney, an international editor at the British newspaper The Morning Star. Sweeney, who recently returned from the Ukrainian city of Lvov, near the border with Poland, who we just talked about. Remember, the, the predominant level of human trafficking that they're reporting on is happening between Ukraine and Poland right now. And, they, and neither Ukraine or Poland will even speak with anybody. They are actively profiting off the flow of refugee human trafficking. This is very clear. And they're, and this, they're even calling it out, going, why is anybody doing anything about this? Nobody cares. Sure as hell isn't happening between Russia and Ukraine. I mean, I shouldn't say that. I mean, it probably is, to be quite honest. The point is that the evidence from the groups that are pointing this out, even from their side of this, that want to make Russia the bad guy, that's their, where are the articles about it? The point is that Poland and Ukraine know this is happening. Both of them are being quiet about it. Even the people reporting on this that were Western sources were saying, look, at the, you can see the suspicious groupings of cars, and it's the same. I mean, I could go off on this forever. The point is it's obvious they're letting this happen. But it's saying that the border said that he would travel himself because the British media reporting on Ukraine is now incredibly restricted. Restricted? That's quite a bit different. It's not what we're hearing, right? That's only Russia, right? No. They're actively restricting the access to, to any media because they don't want people to see what's happening. Quote, you have the Times, the Telegraph, the Guardian, BBC, Sky News, Channel 4, all really producing identical reports from Kiev and, L- and Lvov that don't deviate at all from the government line. Yeah, journalism, right? From the NATO line on what's happening. A great effort is being made to really whitewash or rehabilitate the Azov as either having no influence in Ukraine or being just simply misunderstood nationalists. Yep, exactly what we're seeing. <clears throat> Somehow they went from being an international reaching group that are overthrowing, either creating a white supremacy network and they're influencing U.S. government, U.S. people everywhere, and then on a dime going, oh, they stopped being that in 2016. But wait, you wrote that in 2021. How does that make sense? Well, fake news. It's such a clumsy, obvious effort to cover this up. Everybody sees this, who even cares about looking and doing their own due diligence. Sweeney went as far as to describe the BBC's reporting on the Aza Battalion as a master class in fascism denial. The Morning Star editor described what he saw in Lvov saying, quote, the city itself was essentially full of fascists and mercenaries and people in military fatigues that are using civilian transport networks to enter Ukraine from Poland. Exactly. The foreigners in military gear who say they come to Ukraine to kill the Russians are welcome with open arms. They're rolled the red carpet out and they're slapped on the back and treated as heroes. He also said, however, that as a journalist, he was treated in a completely different fashion by the Ukrainian authorities. And this shouldn't be a surprise to you because you've seen this. We've shown you this. Even the 2016 report by the UN said this. The most dangerous profession in Ukraine is being a journalist. And that was under the U.S. regime. What happened to me, he says, was a, I was quizzed about my business in Ukraine, told that I was a spy, told that I would be arrested and tortured, and, and the indication was possibly worse than that, which means they would have potentially killed me. That's what's happening. Now, on top of that, Zelensky apparently has the ability to just openly call out heads of state. You know why, I think? Because these heads of state are well aware what he really is, an extension of the U.S. government. 
But what he's doing is just blatantly calling anybody out who doesn't even just completely go over the top that everything, everything they're doing is all for Ukraine. Zelensky confronts the Dutch prime minister. He accused Netherlands of staying silent on their potential EU membership. Well, maybe it's because he actually knows what they're letting in to the EU membership, actually is aware of how dangerous this all is. Maybe that's why. But no, you can't, you're not allowed to even say nothing. Otherwise, Zelensky will stand up on the world stage and say, you're a coward for not doing everything you can for another country at the expense of your own people. He told a Dutch broadcaster on Friday, the Netherlands prime minister needs to clarify. Jesus, really? So he's dictating what they need to do. Zelensky's on the world stage saying, you need to clarify whether Ukraine has a future in the European Union. Why does he have to do that? Why does Zelensky get to dictate what these heads of state are supposed to be doing? Don't miss it here. They are going to do that. They are everything he says comes right into the next state. It's happening right now. My point is that I think they're well aware of what the power behind him is, and they're afraid to speak out against it, but they don't want this to happen at some level. Here's another one that's really interesting. Kissinger had some really interesting claims or statements about what he thinks should happen in Russia or in Ukraine, basically saying that he thinks that Ukraine should cede parts of this to Russia and and so they could have a ceasefire and stop the whole war. Kissinger, an obvious insider in this whole thing. This is what Zelensky slams Henry Kissinger for emerging, quote, from the deep past to suggest Ukraine cede territory to Russia. This guy is crazy if he thinks that he can speak out against the very people that are, you know, behind him, (laughs) if you want to put it that way. Get this. This is what he says. Quote, it seems that Mr. Kissinger's calendar is not 2022, but 1938, going right back into the Nazi discussion, right? And he thought he was talking to an audience, not in Davos, but in Munich of that time. What are you suggesting that this guy is, I mean, the point is, remember his history, right? This guy is called a Nazi sympathizer, somebody that, you know, and there's plenty of discussions to get in there. But what's interesting is he's now on the other side of it. So he's basically suggesting that he's being a little too friendly with the Putin Nazis, but then by simultaneously acting like he can't be accused of that. It's really interesting. Clumsy, but interesting. He says, referring to the appeasement of the Nazis. So he's basically accusing him of appeasing the Nazis. But he goes, by the way, the real year is 1930. the, the, The real year, 1938, when Mr. Kissinger's family was fleeing Nazi Germany, he was 15 years old. And he understood everything perfectly. How does he know all this information, by the way, on on his impromptu speech? And nobody heard from him then that it was necessary to adopt the Nazis instead of fleeing from the front. So what he's doing is arguing he's becoming a Nazi sympathizer now by working, by suggesting we should help him. Because as if that's the same as suggesting we should give Hitler some property. I mean, this guy has nothing sacred to them. I'm I'm not saying we should respect Kissinger, you know my opinions on what a horrible person this guy is. But for someone like this to stand up and and feel that he has the standing to basically insinuate that Kissinger is the one supporting Nazis unless he helps Ukraine is incredible to me. They're eating themselves alive right now, guys, because they're losing control. That's what I think. And then finally, on Ukraine, one last point. Remember this tweet? Aged very well. 2018, how a journalist gets expelled from the European Parliament when asking Assistant Secretary of the U.S. Department of Health questions about the Pentagon biolaboratories around Russia, China, Iran. Remember when she was called fake news, attacked as a conspiracy theorist? Well, as she says, four years ago, she was expelled from the European Parliament for confronting 
U.S. Secretary of Health over Pentagon-funded biolabs in 25 countries across the world. I was smeared by U.S. media as fake news. Well, who's the fake news now? She deserves that. She really does. She deserves a victory lap right there because she was smeared. Now, again, let this be a moment where you stand back and go, oh, you mean the exact same media outlets that are right now smearing other people as fake news that it later becomes truth? When are we going to recognize that? She was right. She's right now. She was even proved right after the whole Newland discussion about the labs there. They're aggressively lying to you guys. So hour and a half. So let's say I wanted this to be the focus. So I'm sorry I didn't get this sooner, but this will be the this will focus on this for the rest of the show. Jumping into the COVID-19 conversation. Because there is so much dishonesty out here. I mean, it's everywhere. This is one of the most important ones in regard to how they're definitely trying to hide that they, I think that they know something here. The president of PharmaMar, among the more than 2,200 falsely vaccinated with COVID-19. This is coming from Lioness of of Judah Ministry. <clears throat> Not familiar with the with the the, the uh, what is it again? Medium page or no? Excuse me, Substack. Just the first one that was sent to me. We actually have the the page up here as well. We can read it itself. But this is important, and I always like to give credit where it's due. Where I saw it first, as it reads: Safe and effective. Police charge Big Pharma boss with falsifying his COVID vaccination status. Says Jose Maria Fernandez Souza Faro, president of European pharmaceuticals giant Pharma Mar, has been charged by police with being falsely vaccinated against COVID-19. Dr. Souza Faro has been caught up in a scandal in Europe involving people being added to the National Immunization Registry in exchange for large sums of money, with many of them familiar faces and household names. Police allege that Souza Faro arranged to be injected with a saline solution instead of a COVID-19 vaccination and paid thousands of dollars to have his name added to Spain's immunization register as confirmed by police sources and reported by this, this publication right here, El Mundo, which is a gigantic paper. What's interesting to me is how exactly this is what we were saying is possible and how they were exactly shouting all of them down as like falling out of their chair, ridiculous conspiracy theory that people would get a saline shot instead of that shot. Crazy conspiracy theory. And you were just yet again for the hundred thousandth time as a conspiracy theorist vindicated. But yet here we are shouting them down still. Like it's just so embarrassing how clear they've lost control of all of this. This is important, guys. Dr. Susafaro is among more than 2,200 celebrities, European elitists on the list drawn up by the National Police of those falsely vaccinated against COVID. That is huge. Now, it does not mean that everybody, Biden or Trump or anybody else, that everybody did it, but at the very least, it gives you the opening to say they could have. And no, it's not conspiracy theory. And we didn't need that to say that anyway, but for the people that want to dismiss everything without them being patted on the head and spoon-fed what they're supposed to think, this gives them an opening to talk to them about it. The leader of the network was a nursing assistant at the La Paz University Hospital, where he is accused of charging more than 200,000 euros for fraudulently, fraudulently registering these 2,200 people as vaccinated in the National Registry against COVID-19. He has been arrested and is currently in custody. Now, I want you to think about this story. Somebody who is falsifying, falsifying the evidence of whether you've been injected was immediately arrested. But I'm going to show you a story in a minute about a doctor who says he did the right thing by injecting babies who weren't allowed to have the injection. Guess what? He didn't get arrested. 
That is one of the most stark and obvious contrasts what I've ever seen in this whole dynamic. This person lies about whether you got the shot, immediately arrested. A person injects hundreds of children that they don't know it's safe for. They talk to him, acknowledge he knew it was against the law. He never got charged with anything. I'll get you, I'll get that story in a minute. Think about what that shows you. It is more important to them to get this in people's arms, even if they don't know it's safe, than it is for people to lie about having it. Or I guess, did I say that wrong? In any case, you know my point. It's very, very obvious to me that they care more about getting injections in people's arms at all costs, no matter whether it's safe or not. Now, in here, you can check this out. There's a lot of, this, this is more of, a, it's El Mundo, this is more Spain-focused. So some of these names you'll recognize, but most of them are, they're Spanish in general. But it says, uh, among those accused, Bruno, uh, Gonzalo, no, that's not. Anyway, you can read through this yourself. The point, these are big name people. People in the Sydney Olympic Games, four, former famous boxers. This one includes, uh, let's see, this he the, the big one, obviously, is the president of a pharma company, which means he probably knows why he doesn't want this. But then it goes on to talk about rap singers. Uh, you know, some of these names do stand out to me as famous, but wonder whether they're famous to everybody. Is, but you could check the names out for yourself. But these are high-level people. <clears throat> whether famous or not, you know, actresses, rappers, millionaire type people that are considered elitists or in the circles enough to be able to get this done for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, here's the actual page itself. <clears throat> you can read this for yourself. The same information we just went over is in there. But I mean, this is a huge, obvious, important point. That, fam that famous, rich, you know, pe people in the know, people that have enough money, people that have enough clout are able to falsify their vaccination records. One, it just shows you that that does happen and that there is a market for that. But on top of that, you really need to ask, what do they know? Right? Why would they do that? Why would they spend so much money? Now, you, of course, the argument will go that they just got swayed by fake information. But this guy is a president of a pharmaceutical company. You know, you know that we need to consider this as something a bit more. Now, here's a clip I want to play real quick by uh, Majid Nawaz, I believe. I've I'm familiar with him. I'm just, I don't think I've said his name out loud before, <clears throat> where he has a great point here. Actually, he claims he got the point from Bill Maher, who does seem to be sort of pushing back against some of this stuff, but I don't ever trust that. But this is a very valid and very, very logical point. Really listen to this in regard to the contrast between how they're uh, dealing with the allergic reactions or rather just the the uh, the effects of this injection and yet they, they compared it with like the alert the reactions from peanuts and schools and restaurants and how we deal with those two things and when you hear this walked out it's painfully obvious how, what an open contradiction this is and then ask yourself why why would you not take the same precautions to an experimental injection that you would with peanuts I think the real point is you know the answer. Bill Maher said on his show that I posted as well on my Twitter feed. He recently stated something that I agree with, and that was, he said, all of our bodies are different. We all react differently to medicine. Some of you, heck, react differently to peanuts. Something as safe as eating nuts, and some of you die from it, which is why... We put allergy information on everything. Go to a restaurant today and try and order a meal. One of the first things they ask you is, does anybody on this table have any allergies? Because even though it's that rare, they are liable if they feed you something with peanuts in it and you start to choke. And yet here we are, 
nobody's taking any responsibility for imposing vaccine mandates when we know, just like peanuts, that people's bodies react differently. And some people have died from this thing. This is as absurd as mandating nuts in every meal. Knowing, yes, a rare side effect of peanuts is some people have an allergic reaction and die from it. It's very rare, folks. And yet we've taken the opposite decision as public policy. And we've even started asking people in restaurants, do you have any nut allergies? Do you have any allergies? Before we serve them the food. Why has everybody abandoned their critical thinking faculties? What has happened to your natural scepticism when it comes to what you're being told by big corporations, such as big pharmaceutical companies? All of you complain about cronyism and sleaze in government where you know politicians are taking uh, uh, compromised stances due to conflicts of interests. And yet on the biggest conflict of interest on the planet today, because all countries and let's not pretend otherwise, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. We all see it. They're all synchronized, bringing in these mandates at the same time. And you don't want to ask if there's a conflict of interest there. When in every other area of politics, you're worried about conflicts of interest right now and sleaze. What a cognitive dissonance. And so I ask again, uh, who will take responsibility for side effects, no matter how rare, just like peanuts and allergies, when you impose these mandates? Who should the husband of Lisa Shaw go to for compensation because they were told this was safe? It is painfully obvious. If you if you can hear what he said there and walk away acting like that doesn't that, that, you're choosing not to recognize that contradiction. It's so clear. Again, I agree with his point. It would be as ridiculous as mandating that everybody have peanuts in their diet, knowing that some people would be hurt by it. Because that's the point, guys. They've admitted this, and I'll show you these next articles. Because and again, the point shouldn't be that this next article then proves it. It's already been proven. This stuff is undeniably obvious. Thank you, Lindsay. Humanity needs truth for posting this. It's just very, very obvious that this is ridiculous. As I've said many times, and plenty of others have as well, where there is potential danger, where there is risk, there has to be choice. Period. There's no other way around that. I don't care if it is the smallest risk in the world. If you know, and which, by the way, that's the point they don't want you to think about. There's always that risk. Therefore, there's always choice. That's the reality. We, th- that's why this is new to everybody. Before this, that wasn't the case. Now we're forcing it. Now we have to wrap. The bottom line is, guys, they're putting you in a position where they're forcing this, knowing that at some level, people will be hurt by it. That means their agenda is more important, even if their agenda is keeping you safe from COVID, if, that, if you believe that. That's not what it is. But even if you believe that, so you're still saying we're going to decide for everybody that we're going to keep you safe. That's ignoring all the other things we know are happening. But at the expense of that children, at the expense of Maddie DeGarry's life or her livelihood, at the expense of this young boy who died after getting an injection from myocarditis that they ruled themselves. Right. So that's that. So you're acknowledging that that was a conscious choice by the CDC to allow this kid to die for the safety, the hypothetical safety of everybody else, while they're then admitting that this thing's changing and we don't even know what's happening. So we're making something new. I mean, guys, this is. This is why I keep saying when you go back, when you if if this ever we ever get clear of this, this will be seen as one of the largest, most obvious crimes against humanity in in history. I've never seen it so blatantly obvious that they're so desperately running from what we can easily see. 
and then shows you just how much control they have over this stuff because yet it still continues. And again, this is not just conspiracy theorists hypothetically pointing at Facebook posts. Guys, we are literally watching the peer-reviewed science get cast aside. We are watching their own reports get ignored. We are watching, it's unbelievable. This is 527 from the Defender. Young boy died of myocarditis after Pfizer vaccine, says CDC, before signing off on third shot for kids 5 to 11. The CDC released new data showing a total of 1,277,980 reports of adverse events following COVID injections between December 14, 2020 and May 20th, 2022. Again, that's, I don't even know what the percentage is now, but remember before it was something like 80 something, 90 something percent of the total system was now just COVID-19. And that totally makes sense to everybody, apparently, as they point to Bayer's when they want to make a point and yet disregard any of the other data when we want to make a point. Oh, it's unverified. Sure as hell seemed valid when you pointed at it to make your point. That's an increase, by the way, of almost 10,000 adverse events just over last week. Excluding foreign reports to Bayer's, 820,788 adverse events, including over 13,000 deaths, over 82,000 serious injuries reported between 2020 and 2022. 13,045 U.S. deaths reported as of May 20th. Of those, 16% occurred within 24 hours of injection. 20% occurred within 48 hours of injection. 59% occurred in people who experienced the beginning of a problem within 48 hours of being injected. All of that's being dismissed as we don't know for sure, which by the way means it could be, even though they pointed that later as saying, no, it's not. Didn't we already say we don't know for sure? Didn't you hear me say that? That means it's fake news. No, that's not what it means. It means you don't know for sure, which means it could be one way or the other. That means they're failing to actually investigate whether or not. That is not the end of the story, but they pretend it is. Historically, Bayer's has been shown to report only 1% of actual vaccine reports. That was a Harvard and HHS report. We know that. So just imagine 1%. Times, times by 100, what are we talking about? 100 million people. If there's 100, over a million reports, you could extrapolate that out and realize that 100 million reports are likely there. Now, they acknowledge this kid, a young boy between the age of 5 and 11, died after receiving his first dose of Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, and this is according to the CDC. Yet, the CDC's vaccine advisory panel and its director, Dr. Rochelle Walensky, signed off on a third dose for young age group, despite their knowledge of that boy's death. Right, so it's, 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 it's worth it, is in their mind. Just like Madeleine Albright, it's worth it. So you're admitting this can kill people even if it's one in a million and saying, but it's okay though, because these kids that have a less than the flu risk of something that's clearly not even problematic for them, one in a million chance of dying from it, according to Oxford calculator, but we're going to make them take a shot that they don't need that can kill them. My God. Dr. Tom Shimabukuro, a member of the agency's vaccine safety team, said during a virtual meeting held by the Advisory Committee on Immunization and Practices, a young male died 13 days after receiving his first dose. The boy experienced a fever 12 days after his first dose. A day later, he experienced abdominal pain and vomiting. He passed away that same day. Evidence shows the boy suffered from heart inflammation known as myocarditis. Now, I can promise you what they'll try to do is say, well, COVID. Maybe he got COVID and it caused it even though he didn't have an infection and wasn't sick. They're going to act like because it could have been, therefore we don't know for sure, and that's where the story gets left. Sound familiar? 
The part they don't dive into is that we don't know for sure, which means there's no evidence to indicate it was COVID or that he ever had COVID. In fact, you can prove he didn't, but they don't care about that because they know that this isn't the injection, even though they will also admit that it can cause this if you get the injection. Sound like it makes sense? So how can it not be possible if you admit it, it can be possible, right? It's just, it's a round and round hamster wheel of nonsensical talking points. He passed away the same day. Histopathology, histopathological evidence of myocarditis was present on an autopsy. And that was resolved to be the cause of death. Remember what we talked about in the beginning. What caused that? If there's no indication of what was the cause of the myocarditis, it's most likely a vaccine-induced problem. That was the medical examiner of Pittsburgh, I believe, the chief medical examiner. The death was reported to Vayers and verified by the CDC through an interview with the healthcare provider. Tests conducted on the boy by the CDC's infectious disease pathology branch, quote, did not find evidence of a viral infection at the time of death. He, and the, the group did not ask questions or discuss the death when they were monitoring what deciding whether to make these injections for kids but instead determined that the benefits of the injection outweighed the risks end of story that statement will be used forever so it, as long as you can pretend that the benefits you pretend are there are outweighing the the, the risks that you don't want to look at well it never doesn't matter that never matters you mean those 100 over a million reports are not that's not enough risk to outweigh the benefit that they clearly don't there is no benefit to these kids, man. I mean, this is unbelievable. This is obscene. The risk they're admitting is less than the flu for pretty much everybody. And yet on top of that, the kids specifically are at basically inconsequential risk of this. And yet they're put, giving them something that guarantees an increased risk. I just can't even believe this is happening right now. I've never seen it this criminal and this obvious. I knew these people were like this based on my own research, but I never thought we'd be staring it so obviously in the face. Oh, and then they're hiding it too. 10,000 reports of death, serious injury after COVID vaccines deleted from Bayer's. Now, this person's been analyzing this. Albert ben, uh, ben, uh, Benavides, Benavides, maybe, has been analyzing Bayer's data since the release of these, of these shots. And he's saying at least 10,000 reports of COVID vaccination have just vanished off the roll after the shots. Duplicate reports were a common explanation of their removal. But the main point is he cites the case of a younger child in Alaska who reportedly died after the jab. That death report is now simply gone. And there's no other remaining report that matches it. The Bayer's ID, and there's a link here, by the way, you can check for yourself. 1815096 for the podcast is another example. This is the case of a 13-year-old girl in Maryland who died 16 days after her first jab. The report was entered October 25th, 2021, deleted April 15th. Bayer's claims it was deleted because it was a duplicate. However, shockingly enough, there are no other 13-year-old girls in Maryland that died anywhere else on Bayer's anywhere. But apparently it's a duplicate, so let's delete that. This is conscious deception. According to Benavides, over the past 30 years, not just COVID-related, but over the past 30 years, some 4,000 non-COVID reports he claims have been deleted. And of those, only a couple of 100 were deaths. For the COVID jab, Bayer's is deleting a far higher proportion of severe injuries and deaths. About 2% of all COVID jab-related reports are deaths. 2%. And about 5% of the death-related reports are being deleted. Read, read more of this for yourself. Actively hiding this stuff from everybody. Now, just to add to this so we can continue to see what this is doing, hurting, killing people, they're covering up the reality. We've already discussed this, but I'll show you the 
Israel, Israel national news covering it as well. COVID vaccines may impair long-term immunity to virus. Look at that. Coming directly from Pfizer's lab, they say, Israel. Research suggests that vaccination against COVID via mRNA vaccines may in fact reduce your body's ability to produce key types of antibodies. That's called destroying your immune system. We're talking about autoimmunity or immunodeficiency problems. That's what you're looking at. That's exactly what this is. And by the way, you've already seen this because we told you back in April, as well as plenty of other independent media that talked about it. This is the study. The main finding was right here. As a marker of recent infection, the, the neutralizing antibodies may have lower sensitivity in mRNA vaccinated persons who become infected. This is, again, this is preprint, but just unbelievable amounts of information that they just don't want to acknowledge. Now, this is what they think of you. Now, this is one of the other clips coming from the, uh, the recent discussion at Davos. Here's what they say. That the only reason, not because people are aware of the problems, but the only reason people aren't taking this thing is because they're uneducated. Of course, that's the only reason it makes sense, right? Right now, for example, there are billions of doses of our vaccine, the vaccine that was used in Europe, in, uh, in the U.S., that it is offered to low-income countries for free. And it is offered by the U.S. government mainly, but also by the European Union, but they're doing donations. So the U.S. government bought for us at cost and they donated they can't use them right now because we discovered that one thing is supply and the other thing is to have educated population that believe that vaccines is doing well. Right. So his implication is very clear, right? And whether he didn't said it out of turn, you know, didn't, whether he meant to say it exactly like that or not, it's, it's, a, it's exactly, it's obvious what he meant, right? That, if, that the uneducated people are the ones turning it down. As I said, according to the Pfizer CEO, there are billions of, uh, as I hear it, it's upwards of 7 billion. So my first thought on that is, okay, well, why is that happening? Like, are, are, what happened to the expiration date? <laughs> Apparently we just, it's okay, we'll just leave 7 billion. We'll just keep moving the expiration date, which they've already done, which is arbitrary. Are they still safe? I mean, but doesn't that, doesn't that very clearly show you that people aren't taking it as much as they try to sell you that they are? Yes, all that's true. But according to him, there are billions of COVID injections just sitting unused because there's a lack of educated populations. He's calling the people not accepting these uneducated. The reality, in my mind, they simply see the danger from a, from a country level. There's a lot of African nations, as we saw, that got their suspicious deaths of leaders that suddenly, who at first didn't want that. And then when the leader got moved away, all of a sudden now they're all about COVID injections. There's been some very alarming steps in all this. But he is simply saying, you're too stupid to know if you don't, if, if you don't take it, we know that's not true. I think that the obvious evidence is there and here it is right here for you to check out. But just the point is that the way they perceive you is just being too dumb to know what's right for you. This as the information czar points out is the, this is the COVID-19 injections before and after mass vaccination. There's, there's, there's more of this, but just, just a part of the clip, just watch it for yourself. So the blue line is uh, basically before the injection, and we're looking at deaths, COVID-19 deaths. The red part of it is after injection. Now, obviously, for those in the podcast, what you're going to see is an explosion of deaths. Almost every, I mean, I, I think it's every single one of them after the injection. Now, you could argue that this is because of what happened after the injection. It would have been worse without the injection, but you know what? Sure as hell, we'd never know that for sure, would we? On top of that, it's the same in argument in reverse where we say, well, like, for instance, polio was already in decline. 
And then they gave the injection and it increased the problem and then continued to decline. And they called that eradication success because we did that. Well, that's not actually true. In fact, it was already on decline and it was already naturally going. So the funny is that's fake news when you are getting reversed. But to them, it's like, well, no, it was already happening. And you see, my, there's a double standard in every part of this. The logic you'd apply when it attacks their narrative is fake news until they apply it in reverse to what they want you to see. Sort of like cycle threshold differences on both sides of the PCR test, pre and post vaccination. It's just everywhere, guys. You can't miss it if you care to look. Now watch how obvious this is. COVID-19 deaths before and after mass vaccination. Some of these countries with nothing beforehand. This is Dad and Grass by Joel Smalley. Thank you for those who made that. <clears throat> you can check it for yourself. It's 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 incredible, absolutely incredible. Then recognize Bernie's tweets. Always doing a good job here, sharing some good information. That the European Union, April twenty seventh, twenty twenty two, their statement: COVID nineteen sustaining EU preparedness and response. Right, because it's never going to go away. You're, this is the war on terror and the biosecurity level. This is forever. Maintaining what we have to, all the things we did that destroyed everything, we got to keep that going, right? We got to make sure we keep the lockdown destruction going, but make sure we destroy the economy even further, right? It's like, it's amazing that we can stand back and even have corporate media dissect how the lockdowns didn't work or the masks aren't saving people. And yet they just go, how do we keep this going? We have to make documents about how we can't stop our preparedness response. It's crazy to me. Quote, member stated should, states should increase vaccine uptake, including fourth dose, and speed up the vaccination in children. That's why they extended the passports, as she points out. And you can check the documentation here. But what's interesting to me is that that's, they're just pushing, the, we're going forward, right? Pushing the injections, fourth dose on children specifically. This should alarm you, guys, because they were, they are honed in on the children for some really alarming aspect of this. And remember, just like as the defender pointed out, because once they can get it approved for children, they have indemnity across the board. 
all this goes away. Right now, I think they're concerned about what they're doing. I think they all know. Probably because they meant to, for all we know. But at the end of the day, they, that's a desperate step that they need. Now, here's the point I was making before. Right? So we have an example of how you're not allowed, you're not allowed to fake injections for people. That's, that's immediate jail time. But giving hundreds of kids who are not legally allowed to have it and aren't proven to be safe for them is totally acceptable as long as you say you did it for the right reasons. Which, by the way, here's the way back machine. How hundreds of kids under five in Toronto got COVID vaccines. Look at what they've changed it to now. I put my neck on the line. Toronto doctor vaccinated hundreds of kids under five off label. Desperately trying to make this not as terrible as it looks. I put my neck on the line? Or you mean you put the kids' necks on the line for your own virtue signaling? Or because you're too stupid to know that that's not... I mean, it doesn't even matter whether you believe it's the right thing. There's a reason these things are there. Like, think about how crazy it is that in this case, it's okay to do it off-label, but ivermectin's not allowed. Right? So why is one okay and not the other? Right? Is it, It's either the doctor's choice to do so or it's not. But see, this is the double standard contradiction of everything during this whole, this whole process. It's embarrassingly obvious. If it's okay for him to off-label give an experimental genetic manipulation to a child who is not approved for or even authorized for, you're going to pretend like it's illegal to the point to of arresting people to give them something that is approved, maybe not for the exact use, but on top of the case that it's been proven in multiple peer-reviewed studies to have actual effect in this regard. For children of all kinds, left and right, that there's no grading block or uh, age block where it goes, nope, under that we have no research. That's what we're staring at, the difference. And it's okay because this guy wasn't arrested, but people can discuss ivermectin and they'll lose their entire careers. I don't care what your opinion on this is. You have to recognize that it's a double standard. The law is the law or it's not. Now, I do agree with the off-label discussion, guys. I've always said that. My point, though, is that that's not about some injection that's still being studied. That's about a, that is about a, like something like an aspirin or something that is a stagnant, a standard that's there, that's been studied. And then you just go, well, we know it's used for this, and it's been used on millions of people, and so we're just going to use it in this case. Now, you could make an argument for why that makes sense here. I aggressively disagree because of how willfully misinformed people are. But fine, if you want to make that argument, you could. I would disagree. But then you can't step over to the ivermectin conversation and say he can't do it here. You see how that works? You trap yourself by by the subjective double standards across this whole thing. But they will. They'll say this one's allowable, but the ivermectin's a conspiracy theory. How does that make sense? You know why. May 27th. Here's the original article. A Toronto physician has vaccinated hundreds of children under five, some as young as six months old against COVID-19, despite the vaccine not being authorized by Health Canada for the age group. The STAR has learned public health officials stepped in after they discovered Christopher's son, a family doctor in Weston Mount Dennis, was giving COVID vaccines to ineligible children. Did he lose his license? No. Did he get any repercussion of any kind? Nothing. Not even, he got a talking to, and then right, not even a brief absence, he went right back to work and said, I'm not going to do it anymore. But why would he stop? If his argument is it's morally the right thing to do, why would he stop after being told he wasn't supposed to do it? He already knew he wasn't supposed to do it. So what changed? Either he just decided to stop because they said so, or he said he was going to stop and he kept doing it. In any case, this is wildly inappropriate, illegal, 
It just shows you that the people that are supposed to be holding this stuff to account only apply it in their own personal ideals. It doesn't matter if it's actually against the law. It's only if they decide they don't like it. That's what this is all done. It's broken people. Even the people we pretend are the experts are making subjective, personal choices about what's right and wrong. In a conversation with the star, Sun said he gave the COVID vaccine to about 500 kids. Now, how many of those kids had a stroke, heart attack, collapsing athlete situation, skin rashes, spells palsy, and which none of it was associated with the injection? Or all of it was blamed on long COVID? How many of that is happening? Well, you know what? We'll never get to find out because they just brushed this under the rug and jumped forward. He, the decision he said he made to protect children. Now, even if he actually thought that, the point is he's so woefully misinformed that he believes what he's doing is protecting children from something that is not risk to them. There's one in a million chance of dying, something that most of them don't even have brief issues with. Out of the entirety of this whole situation, they can barely claim over 500 kids in the hospital. And even that, they showed that most of those were misinformation. That was Newsweek that called that out. Yet we're pretending like more kids that... He's, he's vaccinated more kids than have even been in the hospital during COVID-19, according to the CDC. Think about that. But it's protecting them, though. Something that can cause myocarditis and a very dramatic problem, or that has a large, gigantic pile of potential side effects that they tell you is possible. But yeah, protecting them. Makes me sick. And it's even more sick that the general status quo right now has allowed this guy to think he did the right thing because they didn't do anything to him. Son, who believes he was one of the only people in Ontario vaccinating children under five, said he felt compelled to give the COVID vaccine off-label to this age group after some parents started to ask for the shot in late December. Right, so the trust the science crowd were the ones that were literally not trusting the science. Starting to make sense? They told him that they wanted to protect their families during Omicron, the weakest part of the entire thing, even if that's actually what's happening. The one that they said was not very dangerous, and that's the one they're screaming about? These people are broken, guys. They don't even know what's going on. Quote, I put my neck on the line and did what I wanted to get done, which was to protect children. Right, so you put your neck on the line, which means you knew he could lose his job, but did what he wanted to do. That's A doctor should not, that's, again, think, this is the same as them, you know, giving birth control to a child, a child without asking the parents permission. Or in this case, the parents were involved, but this is the same idea as a, a doctor saying, you know, come on over, let's do some black market trans surgery for your child because you want that. Is anybody okay with that? Are you okay with this doctor doing black market operations or black market administrations of drugs because he decided it was the right thing to do? In any other context, this guy would be called out by the society because it doesn't matter if you agree with it or not, you broke the rules, but not during COVID land, not during clown world. This guy did what we're allowed to say is the, this is like being okay to attack Russians right now, right? As long as you say you want to murder Russians, you can do whatever you want in this clown world of Ukraine right now. See how that works? Because politics run everything today. And we all know that somewhere inside, we are lost as a society because we've allowed this to happen. The parents, he says, who came to him, quote, understand the benefits and the risks he said, and he felt ethically had no reason to say no. Seriously? One shot quickly turned to more as word got around. What do you, even if you pretend you think you did the right thing, how can you make the argument that ethically he did the right thing? Ethically, quite literally, he did the wrong thing. But you could argue it was the right thing for the kid. 
Sort of like how, let's say, giving cannabis to a cancer patient is ethically the wrong thing in most places because currently it's against the law. But I would say that's the right thing to do because I know it would help them. You see, I could make an argument where I understand where he may think he's doing the right thing. That's I don't know whether that's the case or not, but in either way you look at it, it's still the wrong thing in the context of how we're all acting like this is it's it's. You could make an argument for why these things could be used off-label, but if you're going to take the stance that ivermectin, let's say, or any other conversation is not not allowed no matter what, you can't step back around and make the other claim here. I'm not saying it's black and white. What I'm saying is that they're making it black and white only where they want it to be black and white. In every other context, it's whatever they want it to be, if they're the one speaking. It's just so incredibly obvious, and it's frustrating. Because these kids are being hurt by this. At the very least, they're allowing action outside the norm as long as it errs on the side of what they want to happen, which is more injections in more arms at all cost. And then the point was, understood the benefits and the risks? He doesn't understand the benefits and the risks. He doesn't understand. They don't understand the true scope of this because he didn't tell them the full information. As he says, there are worried parents in a time of health crisis, and I think it's wrong to turn away people who know what they're getting into. None of these people know what they're getting into because they wouldn't do it if they knew what it was capable of, what it was capable of doing. And, as, and I'll make this point in a second where he discusses the risks. It says, in March, Toronto Public Health told him to stop vaccinating kids under five and reported him to College of Physics and Surgeons of Ontario. So they did essentially what they're supposed to do. And the son and son adding, he still vaccinated this age group until the end of the month. So even once they called him out for it, he still did it for the rest of the month. Really clearly, he was scared, wasn't he? Crazy. He said the CPSO interviewed him about his actions, but dismissed the concern. So that that organization is broken. That that you know that's like oh well you murdered him for the right reason, so we're going to let you off. You don't get to dictate whether it's the 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 wrong thing for the right reasons. It's ridiculous. This group, from their standpoint, is supposed to uphold the law. Period. Well, because they agree with injections, because wink, wink, we all know they're all safe and effective, that they all just let it happen. Dismiss the concerns. The doctor goes right back to work, even though he probably hurt a lot of people. Sun said he has since stopped giving COVID vaccines off-label for a purpose or patient group that is not approved for. So why exactly? Explain that to me. Didn't you just say it was the moral thing to do? And are you now allowing kids to get hurt? Because you see what I'm saying? Like, you can argue from within their narrative. It just makes sense. At any point, he knew he was doing the wrong thing from a legal standpoint, did it anyway. No consequences. The spokesperson, Shay Greenfield, said in an email that the college can't comment on that matter, but considers the unique facts of each case to blah, blah, blah. Right, so you're you're rationalizing why you didn't uphold the law like you're supposed to, like your literal job is. Toronto Public Health responded in an email that it follows Ontario Ministry of Health guidelines. Great, so nobody cares. At this time, no COVID vaccine is approved in Canada for children under the age of five years old. The Ontario Ministry of Health guidance does not permit vaccination of children under five with any publicly funded COVID vaccine, except you did, though, and you allowed it, and you're turning a blind eye to hundreds, possibly over a thousand children that did indeed get an injection that they know it's not, well, they have not proven it's safe for, that we know is dangerous based on the information in front of us. Now, he said it's not clear how many other doctors were offering the vaccine to kids under five. But at Toronto Western Hospital's family health team, some four-year-old children who would soon turn five got the shot. So even there, at general places, they're like, well, you know, you're just on the cusp, so we'll give it to you anyway. 
it, those same people would freak out if you even ask for ivermectin. Well, shouldn't that be your choice? Shouldn't the law matter if they're going to just skip right over it? Oh, it's emer- so we're emergency authorizing something, which already means we don't have all the information, and then you're just going to jump the rules. Oh, well, four-year-old, whatever. It's just pick and choose. Dr. Samantha Green was one parent who decided her kids couldn't wait. So they're taking it upon themselves to jump past what they're told. So trust the science or not? How does that work? Is it only trust the science when you like what the science says? Yes, exactly. Meanwhile, the fake news, anti-conspiracy, whatever, whatever you're calling us these days, we're over here actually acknowledging and considering the science. Not trusting anything, but looking at the peer-reviewed science, whatever it says, and coming to a valid, balanced conclusion. To, to, to the one time you just don't acknowledge the peer-reviewed science because it doesn't look right for you, you don't trust the science. And not that you should trust it anyway, but just recognize what a blatant, hypocritical, absolute double standard this is. The Doronto family doctor had heard about a doctor in Weston, Mount Dennis, who was giving COVID vaccines off-label. So it's like a black market drug deal. At the end of January, she got son to vaccinate her two young children against COVID despite them being ineligible. It's a doctor. Green decided the benefits of the shots outweighed any risks. Right. So she decided the benefits of which we don't fully know outweigh the risks of which we don't fully know. Good thing you're risking your children's lives for your own virtue signaling. With Omicron rising, the thing that's not dangerous for pretty much anybody, especially children, I grew more and more nervous, she said, because you were blindly following propaganda and not facts. I started to really worry for their health and well-being, meaning you don't know what you're talking about. She chose to give Jack, at the time, he was three and a half, the 10 milligram microgram dose meant for children five and older. Right, so right there, you're going, let's just hope that doesn't hurt him. Couldn't that be that it's too strong? Yeah, it could be, but who cares? Because I'm worried. Then, for Florence, who was 18 months, Green decided to go with, you know, the three microdose. So we're just guessing our way out of paper bag. Good times with your children's lives. Studied in the company's trial for kids six months to five years old. Green said it is not uncommon for physicians to prescribe vaccines and medications off-label, especially for kids, and that she was comfortable with the safety and efficacy of the data she reviewed. Isn't it amazing how it's totally wishy-washy, no big deal, when we want to do it, but nothing anywhere else. You can't even take vitamin D for COVID-19 without getting yelled down by your doctor, but we'll give you off-label genetic injections that are experimental because we thought it was okay. My God. And you're comfortable with the safety data, right? You informed consent and all that, right? Because you know about this problem. You know that you were informed about the antibody-dependent enhancement risk that's specific and significant. No, you weren't because you don't discuss that. And the idea is that they don't even acknowledge this as a possible risk. They say it's fake news. But this is peer-reviewed science published December 4, 2020, peer-reviewed March 2021, informed consent to vaccine trial subjects. There, again, very clearly, it may worsen COVID-19 disease via antibody-dependent enhancement, meaning you can get the injection, then get sick, and it's exponentially worse, potentially deadly. And as they found in a very clear conclusion, the specific and significant risk of antibody-dependent enhancement should have been and should be prominently and independently disclosed to research subjects in the trials, people taking it in general, to, in order to meet the medical ethics standard of patient-informed consent. Now, I'm not even going to guess. I can promise you on my life that Dr. Green doesn't think that's real and clearly knows all the information because she watches CNN or because she read the pamphlets at the CDC Center. So she knows. 
even though that's not listed because I've looked at all of it. That's not in there. Nobody anywhere is being told that it could cause antibody-dependent enhancement, despite them saying that before we got here. Fauci, doctors all over the place. So she says it's not uncommon. And she is comfortable with the data that she was told that doesn't have all the information. So she's going to give her children under a year, barely over a year, or under five, not something that's safe. Son said most of the parents who came to him in the three-month span he gave COVID vaccines had reviewed the Pfizer drug trial. Blakery. You mean the data that we're now admitting, they're now admitting is completely broken? It's 100% effective, except it's not even remotely close to that. That's what they're talking about. We read the Pfizer data, the data that's not accurate, the data that's right now being exposed across the board. But that was enough for them to blindly follow the, I mean, again, to do what? To break the law. The information that's inaccurate was enough for them to not trust what, I don't even know how to frame that. God, this is mind-blowing to me. While parents from the U.S. and other provinces contacted him about getting their young children vaccinated, he said he did not vaccinate those kids. Why exactly? Right? What's, what was the stop there? So you're willing to break the law within your province, but you won't go across lines? Maybe because you knew that might create a bigger federal type of a problem? This guy knew he was breaking the law, guys. And then he got shown to be correct in his thinking when he got caught and nothing happened to him. He now thinks he did the right thing. I can promise you he's still doing it. That's my opinion. Quote, this wasn't like someone asking for ivermectin, he says. Can you believe that? And not knowing what COVID was or how vaccines work. Right. This was somebody asking for something they have no idea about that they're not fully informed on that is still being investigated. That's not even approved. But yeah, damn those crazy conspiracy theorists and their approved, safe, wildly used ivermectin that is actually having an effect on COVID-19. But he would argue that's fake news because he's not aware of the reality. You know, the Japanese study or the 20 different peer-reviewed Nobel honored winning study. I mean, it's unbelievable how much information there is right now. And since, where is it? I'll grab this one as always. Ivermectin, a multifaceted drug of Nobel Prize honor distinction with indicated efficacy. And there's also the Japanese study that just came out that finds that it has antiviral properties. This is peer-reviewed science, guys. But it's, but it's not like ivermectin horse paste or anything. These are the doctors injecting your children, guys. My God. These were people who actually read the studies and knew what they were asking for. Oh, really? I mean, this is just crazy. My understanding is that doctors are allowed to prescribe things off-label, which we do all the time. Oh, his understanding? That's a funny way to put that. What I, what I believe is the truth is that I'm allowed to do this, right? Right? Sun said he explained to parents the vaccine was not approved by Health Canada, outlined the Pfizer data that was available at the time, and asked for verbal informed consent, which they didn't get because this has been there the entire time, and I know as a matter of fact that that wasn't told to them. He said he told parents that there are still unknowns about the vaccine in youngest kids. In late 2020 and early 2021, the shots were not recommended for pregnant individuals. They are now. Except that they're not really safe, though. As it says right here in the most current documentation, the safety profile of the vaccine is not fully known in pregnant or breastfeeding women. That's as of 2022. But, you know, because this guy knows, though, right? Because he's informed. My God. We live in a broken world. I can't even believe this is happening. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, it takes a lot for me to be that blown away. But guys, this is, how do they even expect people to walk away? Even people that believe, that believe in COVID shots are going to go, but really? I mean, the guy broke the law. How in the world are you going to allow that to happen? What if something had gone wrong with these kids? What then? I mean, just, it's just incredible. And remember, this is what they change it to. 
I put my neck on the line. They're defending this action from a corporate media level. Now, this one is where they're driving it to. This is another World Economic Forum 2022 discussion. Helen E. Clark, it says, is aware of dwindling public support for COVID restrictions from all sides, by the way. They're desperate to make you think this is Republicans that are in the, you know, fighting it and the Democrats are all on board. It's never been like that. This has never been more bipartisan, <coughs> something in my throat, bipartisan, or rather nonpartisan. It's not just two things, guys. The point is that people have not bought this all across the board, and we're not, and we're not buying it. So her solution, full international control, shocking. Almost like that was always the point. Countries must comply with WHO edicts or lose access to World Bank or face World Trade Organization sanctions. Globalization curtails your vote and freedom. This is the obvious reality. They're driving you here as we speak. The reality is the political resolve to fight COVID is waning. Popular support for measures is is waning. You know, people are over COVID. The problem is it's not done with us, but we're in danger of losing this moment for transformative uh, change. And let's face it, people are still dying in significant numbers every, every day. People are still... Dev- yeah, which is just called life. In fact, people are not dying from significant numbers in COVID at all, not even remotely. But, you know, don't let that get in the way of a nice story. Developing long COVID every day. Uh, right, exactly. The hypothetical long COVID that we can't really metri- quantify <laughs> that has been shown to be largely psychosomatic, but you know, whatever. Low-income countries uh, are horribly, horribly under under vaccinated. We've got issues here and now. I think uh, no, that's actually blatantly false. Look at Africa. Look at most of the places that did not do most of the. They were faring way better than the countries that went aggressively over the top. But they just don't care about the facts, guys. And I don't even know if they know they're going with the facts. They think the facts are what they're handed by the CDC because they think being informed is trusting people in authority positions. They believe that. That's what most of the the corporate media believe. They think they're in the know because they blindly trust what they're told is the truth. When in reality, they're some of the most uninformed people on the planet. Another reason is that the package of things that has to happen is trans-sector, and there hasn't yet been an effort to try and bring together a a head of state and government level focus on the range of things that needs to be done. We said this needs a special session at the General Assembly. It needs a negotiated political declaration that brings the different threads together. We're talking not just the WHO and health ecosystem. We're talking the WTOs. We're talking the IFIs. We're talking the wide range of foundations, players uh, in the space. And so a, a lot of people are doing bits and pieces, but it's not looking like a coordinated push to get transformational change. I mean, all of this adds or points to exactly what you think. I mean, th- this is aggressively driving everybody in the direction of world governance. But it's a conspiracy theory, though, to point at the obvious thing that they just said out loud. Conspiracy theory. How dare you point at what they just said they're going to do? You know, it's just it's gotten really ridiculous. But they're still trying. <laughs> you know, give credit where it's due. They're sure as hell going down with the ship, I guess. But it's embarrassing. Now, on a, on a la- the, the one of the big points of today that I wanted to finish with today, which is masks. Just important to show how absurd this all is. And really to take a larger point about how they can push back so hard on what they think is actually, what they want you to think is a reality 
and we can come to th- this next study is unreal and so important in my mind, but it won't stop. People like this ridiculous doctor here are going to continue to act like you're just an, an, a, a stupid, uneducated noob for arguing that the science says the opposite. Remember, we just talked about this guy. In areas of high transmission, when you are in crowded indoor spaces, wearing a high-quality mask reduces your risk of getting infected and your risk of spreading to others. It's basic public health, except that's literally not true. And I mean, I've made this undeniably clear. And we're just talking about the mask point. It's just not true. Because the science and the peer-reviewed, it's, it's been, from the beginning, before this started, the body of evidence before we got to COVID was very clear. Even the CDC's own meta-analysis. But then, of course, they just spun up something new in the middle and said, no, that's not true. Look at this new quick one we did. But ever since then, there's been one after another that has come out and showed you clearly the reality. And here's something funny, by the way, just to start this off. Here is Mr. Ashish K. Ja, MD. Screaming at y'all that is basic public health, and you're all in a crowded indoor space. That's what people do because they're smart. And then, except, oh, uh oh, was it also public basic health on April 29th, like last month? Oops. So, is he a liar? Does he not care about being safe? Does he not care about my grandma? You could pick. Either way, this is what a dishonest person looks like. So, you're yelling at people about what they should do about being a good person. Yeah, wear your mask. That's good public health. I don't see a single mask in the entire event. Now, it doesn't matter whether, oh, they are injected, so therefore, nope. It's not what he's not even discussing vaccination. He's just simply saying, do it. When you're in an area of indoor crowded spaces, well, that's clearly where he is. April 29th, last month, guys. I just think that's a very stark point. They're all about it on Twitter, making their virtue signaling but just like we saw with Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, John, Johnson, I mean, every single one of them have gotten caught violating their own mandates. Gavin Newsom, over and over and over. They know something or they don't care. In any case, it shouldn't be forced on you. Liars. Utter liars. Oh, and by the way, just don't forget, this is the point that it's very clear. These Even the N95s make it obvious that they're not statistically significant in reducing transmission. They just don't do it. 0.3 plus micron particles. And that's only 95% of it. That's what N95 stands for. Cloth mask, medical mask, not even close. But N95s, 95% of only 0.3 plus micron particles, of which COVID-19 is below. By and large. And the point is, it does not have the effect they say it does, which is why the studies routinely, continually find that they're not statistically significant in reducing transmission. That's all I've ever said. Now, let's get into the studies. Now, this is the this is the lightest one. This is the first one. This is from the Lancet preprint. But what it's really pointing out is in a, a couple of interesting points about just really start, even from the CDC level and the Lancet level, finding that, look, even we can't find the thing you keep saying is there. When we do our study, applying it the same way you do, we get, guess what? Not statistically significant. Isn't that strange? So when they do what the CDC claims they did, they get a different result. Hmm. That's a pretty interesting thing to find. But then we'll show you the big one next, which is a slam dunk. I shouldn't say it like that. It's just, it's important in where we are. But the real body of evidence that I've shown you from the beginning of this, altogether is a slam dunk. It's never not been obvious. They just lie to you. But as this one's entitled, Revisiting Pediatric COVID-19 Cases in Counties with and Without School Mask Requirements, July 1st, October 20th, all 2021. 
It says the CDC in the U.S. have released multiple observational studies. Again, that's what they do, right? We have a body of random controlled trials, meta, meta-analysis dating back to the 70s all the way to today, up until COVID, that very clearly find, even the CDC's own documentation find, no effect other than stopping droplets and blood and phlegm and things like that from flying into open wounds, which is what they were always actually about. Or larger things. The point is, in this case, they've always found that. But then they dumped out a bunch of observational, as they called, hot flash in the pan studies. They just got a real quick thing. They liked what they found. They shoved it in your face and acted like that somehow overcame 20 random controlled trials, which is just ridiculous. But they sure as hell tried. And they're saying that those studies that they dumped out suggested that school mask mandates, weirdly enough, statistically reduce case rates. Isn't that funny? They found the one thing they were looking for. However, there have been numerous additional U.S. and international observational studies that found the exact opposite of that. Isn't that strange? And I can go ahead and tell you that it's pretty much all of them find that one thing. But the weird CDC studies and the ones they pay for weirdly find the opposite. It's almost like they're pushing in a certain direction, but that can't be the case. But it says replicating the CDC study. So the Lancet goes, okay, we're going we're gonna to do it ourselves. They replicate the study, or I shouldn't say the Lancet, but the, posted on the Lancet. Uh, this is uh, University of Toronto. Oh, and University of California, Davis, which is, you know, large schools. It says they replicated the CDC study, but what they found was something quite different. Incorporating a larger sample and longer periods showed, guess what, guys? No significant relationship between mass mandates and case rates. These results persisted when using regression methods to control for differences across districts. So when they did a real study and made it larger and bigger and with better results, they found, guess what? No difference. And that's the point, is the CDC made it show what they wanted it to. They've been caught left and right for this. Our study demonstrates that observational studies of interventions with small to moderate sizes, which is what they made sure they did, are prone to bias caused by selection and omitting variables. I mean, guys, they're all but calling them liars. They are literally being, well, your small study is prone to manipulation of data and selecting and omitting variables. That is called, or what's the right way to put that? P-hacking. They're choosing, they're basically rolling it out until they get what they want and saying, that's the one, keep it there. That's my opinion. But just be clear about what you're seeing here. They're all but saying that the small studies, at the very least, are prone to manipulation. So when we just simply expanded it, it became quite clear that there is no effect. That is the surface level overview of what the CDC was trying to do when they just did it better, proved that they were lying. That's my opinion. But let's look at the big study. Mass mandates caused more COVID deaths, study alleges. This is from May 26. Mass mandates caused higher COVID-19 death rates, according to the bombshell claims made in a new medical journal report analyzing fatality rates across the state of Kansas. Here's the study itself. Peerviewjournal.iww. It's a medicine. I think it's just the name is just medicine journal. Now, this is called the Fugen effect or Fogen effect, which I've never actually heard of until now. And I'm probably going to do more research on this in general. But this is what they're, I don't know if this is something they made up for this discussion or not. Either in any case, the Fogen effect, a mechanism by which face masks contribute to the COVID 19 case fatality rate. Look at that. Almost like what I've been telling you from day one, right? February 18th. It's amazing to me these things can be out there and it only I, I only see it because somebody shoves it in front of me. Wouldn't this be important conversation to decide whether or not they're safe? No, because they've already made that choice. Facts don't matter. They've already decided they're safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. So it doesn't matter. Dump it aside. Peer-reviewed science doesn't matter. I trust the science. What they mean is they trust the narrative they've decided upon. Science gets pushed away. 
I mean, how do you miss how obvious that is? February 18th, here's what it says. This is really important. This study aimed to determine whether mandatory mask use influenced the case fatality rate in Kansas between August 1st and October 15th, 2020. Counties with mask mandate had significantly uh, higher case fatality rates than counties without mask mandates. Very first point. Now, yes, correlation is not causation. And obviously, we're always the honest ones on this side of it to make that point. And they'll sure as hell make that point when they want to dilute the point, what's going on. But they'll never make that out point when it's on something that they want you to see, right? But just realize, yes, that could be the case. Could be something else that could be causing it. But clearly, the point is that counties in Kansas with mass mandates in general had significantly higher case fatality rates than people, the counties without it, with a risk ratio of almost two times the risk for COVID-related deaths. So specifically COVID-related, which is interesting, which means not just other, because this is my point on top of all of this. It increases your risk of infection in general, which I'll show you again in a second. This is just COVID-related. So add on everything else that's happening, the bacterial pneumonia and other issues that the masks are creating the perfect setting for, and that gets exponentially more dangerous. But we're just only talking about COVID-related deaths, which, by the way, is interesting in and of itself. So the people that had the more, ma- more the mask mandates had a worse situation with COVID-19. It's counterintuitive to what they're telling you it should be doing. I believe that's on purpose, personally. Even after adjusting for the number of protected persons, that is, the number of persons who were not infected in the mask mandated group compared to the no mask group, the risk ratio still remains significantly high at half a time again, 1.52. So even when they take the point, it's obvious, guys, that the risk was clearly higher in groups that had mask mandates. These findings suggest that mask use might pose a yet unknown threat to the user instead of protecting them, making mask mandates a debatable epidemiological intervention. Gee, almost like you've heard this before, right? But here's the point. This is what they're saying. It might pose yet unknown threat. That's not even the case. It's a fact. It's 100% fact because we've seen it happen. The British Medical Journal in 2015 did the only random controlled trial on specifically cloth masks, which still most people are wearing. And it's not just cloth, but this is the one they focused on. And again, you've seen this before. The rates of all infection outcomes were highest in the cloth mask arm. But in general, it wasn't just cloth, but that's the point in this one study. Cloth masks also had significantly higher rates of influenza-like illness like COVID compared with the control arm, which was nothing. So cloth mask increases your risk is what they find down here. And I'll read it directly from their finding. But laboratory confirmed virus were significantly higher in cloth mask groups compared with medical masks. But penetration of the cloth mask by particles, droplet size was 97%. Meaningless. But even the medical mask guys, the ones they tried to get you to transition to, they're 44%. So half the time that it flies right through anyway. But this is exactly what this study gets into when I go back to the study, that that is exactly what is increasing your risk. And I'll show plenty of people have talked about this, the aerosolization of it by the mass particles themselves. But it says down here, hear this yet again for those that want to pretend this isn't true. This this is the, the first random controlled trial of cloth masks. And as far as that I can tell, the only one. And the results caution against their use. Now they know this, they used them anyway. Make sense of that. This is an important finding to inform occupational health and safety. They didn't care. This is the main point. Moisture retention, reuse of cloth masks, and pore filtration may result in increased risk of infection. This study completely vindicates and confirms that, even though that we already knew it. Cloth masks should not be recommended 
Guidelines need to be updated. None of that happened. None of it. Just like with this one, informed consent, none of that happened. Specific and significant, they must be informed. And they said, nope, never mind, quiet, shut it away. Trust the science, but not even look at it, right? Well, this is the fact. The fact, not that, you know, you could argue the science is wrong. The fact is that the peer-reviewed science found this in 2015. It has never been challenged. Here we are. Okay, so the point is, it's not that it might set an unknown threat. It already is, and we know that. But the question on top of that is, were the masks increasing overall the risk of specifically COVID-19? And this study does find that. Now, what it talks about is the Fogan effect. That is deep re-inhalation of hyper-condensed droplets or pure virons caught in face masks as droplets can worsen prognosis and might be linked to long-term effects of COVID-19 infection. Well, look at that. It's almost like the masks are literally causing the long haul they think they're experiencing. Where have you heard all this before? Isn't this crazy? No, you guys have heard this because we've been railing on this since the beginning. Now, the Fogan effect is proven in vivo in an animal model. So this is not some hypothetical. This effect has been proven in animal models before in their bodies. But this is being applied, it looks like, for the first time in regard to masks. But guys, this gets way, way more important. There's a lot more in here, by the way, I could have dug into. But here's the important parts, I think. The most important finding from this study is that contrary to the accepted thought that fewer people are dying because infection rates are reduced by masks, this was not the case. Results from this study strongly suggest that mask mandates actually caused about 1.5 times the number of deaths or 50% more deaths compared to no mask mandates. Look at that. This means that the risk for the individual wearing the mask should be higher because there's an unknown number. Now, this goes on to say, uh, which... Hold on. Right, it's case, case fatality. Okay, I'll make sure I didn't miss something. Now it says the rationale for the increased RR risk reduction, I believe. Maybe that's what I was thinking. Was there something else? Ah, dang it. I don't want to have to go find it. In any case, no, it says the rationale for the increased RR by mandating masks is probably that virons that enter or those coughed out in droplets are retained in the face mask tissue. And there's been studies about this. And after quick evaporation of the droplets, hyper-condensed droplets or pure virons, meaning virons not inside the droplet, are re-inhaled from a very short distance during inspiration. Now, this is exactly what other doctors have pointed out, guys. It says the fundamentals of this effect are easily demonstrated when wearing a face mask and glasses at the same time. By pulling the upper edge of the mask over the lower edge of the glasses, droplets appear on the mask when breathing out and disappear when breathing in. Don't you love that? So this peer reviewed study is pointing at something that the experts on Twitter, you know, like Mr. M-Dog, Z-Dog, whatever his name is, laughing down people for looking at those pictures of people doing the breathing in issues or the, the smoke with the mask, going, these stupid people don't know science. <laughs> Obviously they did because this is, this is the peer reviewed science saying this is one example of how you can prove this effect. It's just so amazing how quickly people fall for this kind of stuff because they want to be on the right side. And their political side said, this is the right thing to think. Therefore, nope, you've been being hurt the whole time. Now they're so overly invested and it's now their like safety blanket. These people are going to wait till their teeth fall out to stop wearing these disgusting pieces of fabric over their faces. 
But it goes on to say, moreover, the Fugen effect could increase the overall viral load, in fact, because virons that should have been removed from the respiratory tract are, in fact, returned. So you are increasing your risk in every possible way. These things are counterintuitive. They are actually hurting you. The use of better masks, and this is one of the most important points to hear, guys, because now they're just trying to transition. Well, you know, the cloth mask that we told you were safe and effective this whole time turns out don't work at all. So just use this one now. And you're going, okay, I'll just jump to the next one without considering that you just for two years used a piece of gross cloth over your face that, or in fact, wasn't helping you, but was making it worse. So why can't you stand back and go, why would I trust them again? For two years, you've been following them and they were wrong or they knew they were wrong. And it's just amazing that people just jump to the next thing. But guess what, guys? Use of better masks like the N95s with a higher droplet filtering capacity probably should cause an even stronger Fogan effect because the number of virons that are potentially re-inhaled increases in the same way that outward shedding is reduced. So it's almost like they know what they're doing. Weird, isn't it? Another salient point is that COVID-19-related long-term effects and multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, look at that, MISC, may all be a direct cause of the Fogan effect. That's huge, guys. You know why? Because I don't know anybody else that made the argument that it was the masks causing the MISC. We did that. And we sure as hell dug into that story and used the facts to make the argument. It's just, it's just incredible. Now, I'm not saying that proves that we were right, but it sure as hell shows that we were on the right track and we were shouted down as always as fake news. MISC, by the way, if you don't remember, multi-system inflammatory syndrome was something that was around and they just made it up for kids because kids were having these problems. You know why? In my opinion, because they were being forced to wear masks and they were inhaling their, they were just getting sick. It was causing these inflammatory problems in their body. That's what this is. And it multi-system inflammatory syndrome. And it was causing this Fogan effect. Virus entry into the alveola and blood without being restricted to the upper respiratory tract and bronchi and can cause damage by irritating an, an, uh, an immune reaction in most organs. You are creating these problems in children, making up a new name for it, and then acting like we have a treatment for it. Good God. I've never hated being right so much in my life. It makes me sick to watch what's happening to these kids. Here's the conclusion. This study revealed that wearing face masks might impose a great risk on individuals, which would not be mitigated by a reduction in the inf infection rate. So this, the benefits outweighing the risk don't apply because it's a great, the, the basically what the argument is by reducing, if that is even happening, the infection rate from COVID-19, which by the way, the point of the study is that's not happening. But even if you believe you're mitigating specifically COVID risk, the overall risk that you're creating by this being worn is more. And that's what they're saying. It's, it's very obvious. But on top of that, your increased risk of infection is present anyway. So that's not even what's happening. It says the use of face masks, therefore, might be unfit, if not contradic uh, contradicted. So it's, a con it's, it's, it's not what you should be doing as an epidemiological intervention against COVID-19. Look at that. Proving or disproving the Fogan effect using experimental studies as described above should be a priority to public health scientists. But you guess what won't happen? that. They will never try to make, because you know what? It'll show what they don't want you to see. This is going to be dismissed as fake news. It's probably going to be forced to be retracted. Who knows what's going to happen? The bottom line is this is so very sound and obvious. And all of the evidence from before and current and after are proving this is the case. But guess what? It's still going to continue. Which shows you all you need to see. That it's not about your health. It's not about the facts. Sure as hell not about the science. 
because they've always been telling you that you're in danger if you pay attention. Oh, by the way, double mask California Governor Gavin Newsom just tested positive after receiving four COVID shots again and over again and again and again and again, because either they're lying to you to keep this going or they're still getting sick and they're just, who knows? Bottom line is, the injections, the masks, everything they're doing is increasing their risk of illness. And that's probably why people like Boris Johnson continue to get caught not doing what they're supposed to be doing because they know that they're, at some level, some of these people know that they're probably doing the wrong thing. In any case, the science actually supports what you believe. Look at that. What a crazy reality. It's almost like we've been telling you this the entire time. You guys know this. And just by the way, guys, this is not about going out and, you know, finding those people that were telling you you were wrong and shoving it in their face and saying, see, you're stupid. We need to be the gracious ones, be the bigger ones. Use this as an opportunity to help people see that they're being hurt. Because people that are confused, even if they're being rude about it, they don't realize that they're being hurt. Many of them, some of them do. But try your best to reach people with the information because it's right there. It's never been easier to reach people with the information because it's on your side. This is not some fringe leaked document that you can barely verify. This is their documentation. This is peer-reviewed science. It's right there. Do your best. As I said before, you drop, you plant the seed. In many cases, they're not ready for it. They're going to push back. So walk away. But make sure you come back and water it every now and again. Oh, do you see that new study? Okay, okay, you know, back away. Keep trying. Because I swear to you, people are seeing this. Because you're doing some pretty amazing work out there. T-Lab wouldn't exist without you guys. And it's why I keep coming back to the table every day. Because I believe in you. Like you believe in me. We are making a difference. Believe it. Keep fighting, guys. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. Questions get asked when people have hesitancy or reluctance to get vaccinated. Did you go too quickly is the first. The answer to that is the speed was a reflection of extraordinary scientific advances and did not compromise safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. The next question is, okay, But what about the fact, is it really safe and is it really effective? Or is this something the government is trying to put over on us? Is this something the companies want to take advantage of? Well, let's take a look at what's happened over the past few months. We've had clinical trials, and thanks to the volunteers in that trial, in tens of thousands who have put themselves on the line to prove to the country and the world that these are safe and effective products. It is really bittersweet. The bitterness is the fact of what the Vice President mentioned. We still are in the middle of a very difficult situation with record numbers of cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. But the sweetness is the light at the end of the tunnel, which I can tell you as we get into January, February, March, and April, that light is going to get brighter and brighter. And the bitterness is going to be replaced by the sweetness. We all hope, and I think this is doable, that by the time we get to several months into this year, we will have enough people protected that we can start thinking seriously about the return to normality. And that's up to all of us to step forward and get vaccinated.